It's time for MacBreak Weekly. We're going to cover the latest uh, lawsuit. Apple says Samsung stole everything from them, and they're mad as heck. Andy Anakos here, Alex Lindsay, and uh, former Engadget editor Neelai Patel. We'll talk about the legal ramifications next on MacBreak Weekly. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for MacBreak Weekly is provided by Cashfly at C A C H E F L Y dot com. This is MacBreak Weekly, episode 243, recorded April 19th, 2011. Apple versus Samsung. MacBreak Weekly is brought to you by GoToMeeting. Meet easily with colleagues, even when traveling or working remotely. For your free 30-day trial, visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the offer code MACBREAK. And by Audible.com. To download the free audiobook of your choice, go to Audible.com slash MACBREAK. And by FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look more professional. Get started with a free package on FreshBooks.com. It's time for Mac Break Weekly, the show that covers the latest from Cupertino, starting with Mr. Alex Lindsay to my left in studio with us today from the Pixelcore.com, Pixelcore.tv, too, for that guild of multimedia artists living and working together in the podcaster TV. Have you recovered? From, from the NAB show, yeah. I have. Oh, boy. Yeah. I got back on Friday. I couldn't think anymore. Yeah. It was fun, though, and, uh, and what was mind-boggling about it was, well, first of all, there's that whole... Final cut thing, which we'll talk about in a second. But the, I think it's so cool, and this is kind of part of the story. The cost of doing television production is plummeting. Yeah, and uh, the fact that Final Cut itself is two ninety nine is part of the story. We'll talk about that in a second. But let me introduce the rest of the panel. Neelai Patel is here just for the early part of the show. Neelai, of course, formerly at Engadget, he is now at something brand new, which we'll ask him about. And uh, yeah. you could find him and his. Uh, Cohorts, including Joshua Topolsky at this is my next dot com. And hey, thanks for having me. Good to have you back, Neil. We're going to talk about your article today uh, on the Samsung Apple patent dispute. Yeah, it's something. I want to find out all about it. But also here with us today, the lovely and talented Wonder the Spot Dog or whatever, Andy Anako. <laughs> and he actually has a, a picture of a puppy. Is that your new dog? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, but, uh, you know, but my business has been expanding, so I was able to hire a personal assistant. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's his headshot. He's just doing it in exchange for publicity. Good he's trying to get an fella. acting career going. Good looking fella. Uh, <laughs> good, great, great, you know, great. Well, he, he's not bad, for, not uh, very good for the FedEx delivery, so he tends to chase the guy off the porch. Yeah. But uh, yeah. other than that, I thought that was good for a FedEx delivery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, except for the slobber on the playbook, but other than that, <laughs> Andy is at the Chicago Sun Times. His website cwob.com, and actually, Andy has a playbook. We'll talk about that in a second. Mine's supposed to come today. The new BlackBerry. Mine's thing. supposed to come. Oh wait, no, mine's, mine's not coming. Well, as it turns out, you probably were right not to get one. And he also, <laughs> what is that? That's the new. Is that the new uh, T-Mobile device? Yeah, that's the t the, the uh, yeah the new, new T-Mobile with the extra special 3D camera feature. <laughs> so that's so that's so that's how they're gonna that's how they're gonna fight uh, fight uh, the iPad with the uh, you know stereoscopic three. I want it, one. Although, uh, I, I will say it's really cool to like unbox something and you got another thing you're unboxing. Okay, 
okay, device, okay, power, you know, little, little manual, okay, USB connector. Oh, red, green glasses. This is awesome. No. <laughs> no. I swear to God. Really? It's, yeah, the display is hilarious. It's I mean, anaglyph. That's how it oh, it has, it has multiple 3D modes. One of which is red, green anaglyph. Are those the uh, are those the anaglyph glasses that come with it? Those are those are actually <laughs> exactly. at least they're not cardboard. It's, they're they're fashionable. No, no, they're <laughs> they're, they're, they're actually good. Like you know, high high quality. You could actually pay upwards <laughs> of three dollars for, uh, for eyewear of this of this caliber. You know, I have a lot of those red red and blue glasses, and those are some of the nicest ones. Yeah, those I've are really seen. pretty. Yeah. And, yeah, and and by the way, now you have two different eye colors, like your dog. Exactly. <laughs> one red, one blue. All right, let's talk a little bit. As long as we've got Neil here, and Neil does have to take off quickly, so I would like very much to get him uh, on. Uh, you just wrote a very good article. Thanks. Uh, about, it was on thisismynext.com, your new website, about the Samsung-Apple lawsuit. So Apple is suing Samsung. In fact, Apple was pretty outspoken. They say they're copying our stuff. Slavishly copying, that's what they say. Slavishly, Slavishly copying and pervasively copying. Uh, at one point they say the Samsung Galaxy S line might as well be an iPhone. What? So they're, they're, not, they're not holding back with the uh, What an endorsement from Apple. They put that <laughs> <away>. <laughs> Good point. So uh, first thing we should say you're standing on this is you are, you are a, an attorney. Are you practicing now? No, I haven't practiced for a long time. But, um, but I was a copyright attorney. This uh, is your field. Yeah, was my well. I'm not a patent attorney. I was a copyright attorney, but I have a lot of patent attorney friends. I've been doing these breakdowns for a while. I feel like I know what I'm doing. At this and point. Uh, this isn't just a patent lawsuit. There's trademark in it too. Right. Uh, there's there's. It's actually really, really heavyweight. So you know, if you look at how Apple sued HTC or how they sued Motorola or Nokia, it's a bunch of patents, right? And they're very fundamental, like system level patents, right? This is how the touchscreen works. This is how multi-touch works. All this very wonky technical stuff that normal human beings would, you know, not be able to figure out at first read. The the um, this lawsuit is much more. You made your stuff look just like ours, right? And you made it look just like ours, and you did it intentionally. So that people would be like, that is just like an Apple product. I'll just buy that instead. This is, that's, listen to that's this. It says, of the lawsuit. jury trial demand complaint for patent infringement, federal false designation of origin, unfair competition, federal trademark infringement, state unfair competition, common law trademark infringement, and, and an unjust enrichment. Yeah. What's unjust enrichment? Unjust, yeah, it's... It's actually a catch-all at the very end. So if everything else fails... Like you got Apple, rich! If, if, you know, if everything else fails, Apple can say, well, they took our stuff and made money on it in a way they shouldn't have. Um, so is so, this... You know, that'll get wrapped up in a trademark infringement pattern. Are that's they, very much... That's like the last quiver, dying breath of a lawsuit. Is are they asking for an, uh, an injunction? Do they want to stop halt sales? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're asking, they're asking for the whole kit and caboodle. They want them to stop sales. They want to be prevented from uh, ever violating their patents again. And that's up and down Samsung supply chain and divisions. They want treble damages for patent infringement. They want, all, you know, they want an accounting of Samsung's profits so they can figure out which were improper Jeez. profits. They want uh, money for corrective advertising. So, you know, the claim is that because they violated the trademarks and the trade dress of the products, um, that Apple has to do some additional advertising to get to restore their brand, essentially. Uh, and so they want money to restore their brand in that way. I mean, it's a long list of damages. But, you know, the damages at this point, you know, if I was Apple's lawyer, I would list everything I could think of. I want everything I can think of. 
because you know some of it will get whittled away by the court. Some of it will get whittled, you know, if this ever gets to a jury, which would be years and years from now, um, you know, some of it get whittled away there. So the list of damages, you know, looks enormous and ridiculous now. But that's really the we're going to put every everything in the kitchen sink in in hopes that we get you know fifty percent of it. Or so this is just typical. But now, now here's something that's not typical. Apple is a big Samsung customer, more than $5 billion worth of Samsung components in 2010. Yeah, $5.7 actually. It's really, really enormous number. Um, but, you know, the thing about that is uh, Samsung, we think about companies in sort of the American corporate sense, right? So Apple is incorporated in California, and it has Steve Jobs as a CEO and a board of directors, and everything flows down from them. Samsung is, you know, this Korean cable arrangement, which is, relatively foreign to us. It's this enormous company that has multiple divisions with multiple division heads who they are, make bulldozers. They make bulldozers and sinks. You know, and yeah. Samsung Electronics, you know, they have the consumer business and the, the manufacturing business. I, you know, th there's got to be some relationship between the two. I wanted to touch on this, but, you know, quite frankly, uh, you know, I'm not an expert in, in Korean business structure, and I, I didn't want to speculate too heavily on how this might affect Samsung. Cause so you're saying honestly, the, components that, the components that Apple buys from Samsung, the 4% of their, uh, pro, uh, you know, of their uh, income, right. it may be a different division, so maybe yeah, that division it, will just say, oh, that's fine, go ahead and sue those sons of guys know, over As, as far as I know, um, Samsung Mobile, when they go out to design a phone, they have to bid on processors oh, just like Apple does, and okay. they have to bid on displays and RAM and all that stuff. So, you know, you see Samsung phones with Tegra processors, with Qualcomm processors in them. Um, you know, the Windows, uh, Samsung's Windows phone products, you know, Microsoft said you have to use Qualcomm processors, and they went out and did it. Um, so, you know, there's a bit of a division just because of the structure, and like I'm saying, i you know, I didn't, I didn't want to get too far down this road because I'm not an expert on Korean business organization. But there is a, a distinct division between the elements of Samsung's business. And, I, you know, I don't think Apple is worried about disturbing their relationship with Samsung Semiconductor because they're in a fight okay. with Samsung. And, I, you know, you have to think that they, they've factored into it. But there is also that element of, well, they just sued Samsung. And, you know, I, I bet these guys have lunch together and they're, they're not happy about it as a company. <laughs> Well, look at the, uh, this is part of the, the, the complaint, Apple's filing, comparing uh, iPhone to the Galaxy S. Mm -hmm. is, there's some merit in this. I mean, if you look at them side by side, but all smartphones look like but iPhones. But we can think about this as like a Gucci bag. I mean, Gucci goes after people who, who basically make bags that look exactly like Gucci. You know, you know, it's the same. The idea is that we've oh. we've created a certain look, we've created a certain experience that that, and if you make one that looks exactly the same, that's counterfeiting. You know, that's the that's the argument that is this counterfeiting? Make. No, you're not posing no, 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 as an iPhone. I mean, go, go, well, going no, back so to these are. tablets, I mean, what, what could, once once you've just once you've decided that your design conceit is going to be no buttons, as 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 little decoration as possible, can you possibly now say that you have a design trademark on the idea of simplicity? I mean, yes, this looks exact. These look almost like almost exactly like iPads. But can you really say that the fact that it's a black square of glass without any buttons on it that that's something that? But I think Apple that, I think the problem was, I think if that's all they did, I don't think that'd be a problem. And and I'm not the I'm not the expert on this panel. But I but I would say that when you start making the interface look identical to the iPad experience as well, that's when things start to get stickier. Right. So I mean, if you look at you know, there are a million ways to design a phone. I mean, first of all, that, I mean, that, that you can look at the market and you can even look at some of Samsung's products and you can see there are a million ways to design a phone. Um, and if you look at, again, their Apple suits against Motorola or HTC, they didn't do this trade dress stuff. They didn't do this trademark stuff. They focused very deeply on sort of core Android system patents. 
it's when you, you know, because if you look at Motorola Blur or HTC Sense, those interfaces are totally different. If you look at the Droid X, it just doesn't look like an iPhone. If you look at uh, an HTC, uh, what's the new one, the Sensation, just doesn't look like an iPhone. Well, um, they all have big panels of glass. Well, no, but those they all are, have home. Well, I guess this is sort of a in total. Uh, kind of equation, right? It's not, you know, I have a panel of glass and you add it up to these icons and it has a, you know, the back is black. That's not how this works. The the sort of... Um, so you don't think this challenges Android? It's not, it, there's a bit of Android. The patent challenges are Android. But the trade dress stuff, the trademark stuff, that's all about when a consumer walks into a Verizon store and the guy says, you know, we don't have the iPhone yet, but this Fascinate from Samsung is basically an iPhone. It looks just like one. It works just like one. Buy this instead. And the consumer's like, yeah, that looks like an iPhone. They walk out the door. That's the problem, right? And that's what Apple's getting at, is you are basically copying our products in order to get people to buy them because what they really want is an iPhone. What about this, what about this image What about this image that was just sent to us from uh, our chat room? This is a Samsung F700. Which oh, this came, is everywhere. This, so, came, I mean, this, is, this, this came, has been sent to me like 500 okay, times. Okay, so this came out. Well, not. It was released February two thousand seven. The iPhone came out January two. Clearly, this had a bit of a design before the iPhone came out. This this is the kind of thing they show in court, right? No, <laughs> no. I mean, yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, they would. This image is like doctored, right? I mean, that that wasn't Samsung's advertising for it, and you know that hand image. They, yeah, they yeah, made, yeah. But the phone's the same. No, but the phone isn't the same. So if you look at the design patents and what they have, you know. The patents say have specific claims. Let me see if okay. I can pull one up here. Okay. Um, so, so this isn't germane then? This, this... It's germane in that, yeah, there were other touchscreen phones like this, and Apple's complaint is very histrionic in saying that they completely invented the, the idea of a phone, right? But that's like Apple, you know? Um, if you look at the design patent um, or the trade dress, let's see, I'm trying to bring this up here. Um, if you look at the specific trade dress elements that Apple's claiming, which I am trying to find. Um, so you've got rectangular product shape with four corners that are uniformly rounded, uh, substantial black borders above and below, which you, you don't have there. I mean, you have the, the casing, but they're not part of the glass. You have a metallic surround. You have a grid of colorful square icons, which you don't have there. They're, those are not colorful. <laughs> okay. Right? I mean, you have uh, four icons in the bottom, the springboard that uh, are application icons that don't change. I mean, this is like the technical nitty-gritty of, of what they're after. And, you know, I don't think that you know, this is trade dress. So right. a lot of this hinges on what do consumers perceive when they look at this thing, right? Do they think it's an iPhone? And it doesn't matter if it came before or it came after, right? So in court, you would hold this thing up and the ordinary consumer in the market would say, oh, that's an iPhone. Even though it came out, you know, whatever, six months before, the, the, the action in the marketplace has been such that consumers now associate that product with the iPhone and with Apple. And that's really the crux of it. Right. I mean, that, that's the, the first thing Apple is arguing is that Samsung is taking our relationship with consumers and they're trading on it by copying the things that indicate to consumers. This is an Apple product. This is an iPhone. This is an iPad. And I have so to say, when image I, when is like this, image really is, this is this image that I'm showing right now is from your website. This is mynext.com. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that is pretty striking. <laughs> there is yeah, a lot know, of similarity there. You know, we say it all the time. And, you know, it's, I think what's really telling about this is, you know, 
there are Android fanboys in this world who are very vehement about Android doing everything right and Google doing everything right. And even amongst them, and even the feedback I've gotten from them has been, yeah, Samsung probably went too far here. Touch with more so than other Android phones. Yeah, almost completely so. And if you talk to HTC, if you talk to Motorola, they're trying to do something different. They're trying to meaningfully differentiate their products away from Apple, right? If you look at HTC Sense, it is totally different. It's got all these widgets and active wallpapers and, you know, integrates with your social networks. And Motorola does kind of the social networking thing with Blur and they've got their own widgets and, you know, they're, they're out there. They are doing something completely different. You know, that's sort of what the patent system is designed to make you do, right? It says, okay, well, Apple did the grid. So now everybody has to, has to try to do something different. And that, you know, in some way, that's supposed to push innovation forward. Now, Apple and did so something similar with, uh, with Microsoft over the, uh, over the recycle bin. This was some so time was, ago. So that was a long time ago. Yeah. That was the 90s, a yeah. long time ago. And what happened in that suit? So that was a copyright suit, and Apple's entire strategy there was flawed. I think they learned a lot from it. Um, so Microsoft released Windows 3.1, and they had a license to some parts of the Mac OS interface, like the original System 6, System 7 interface. And Apple said, well, you had a license to some parts, but you took the whole thing, and we will claim a copyright to the whole thing. Um, uh, you know, the look and feel of, of Mac OS will claim a copyright to it. And the court said, well, that's not how copyright works. Uh, and you lose. And that took 10 years for the court to figure it out. It took a long time, I remember. Yeah. It took a long time. Mm -hmm. And that was, it was doomed from the start. I don't think, you know, just reading, it never made any sense. They're not claiming anything like that now. They're claiming, again, it's all about the relationship with the consumer. They're claiming, you know, you made, you're trading on the elements of our interface, our packaging, our hardware, our software that say to consumers, that signal to consumers, this is an iPhone. You do and a you great could. job of comparing icons in your article. Again, this is my next.com. The phone. Yeah, no, this is right the from text, Apple. This is, this is Apple stuff. Uh, the yeah. picture gallery. Even the settings button is a gear. Yeah, I think the most telling one, you know, whatever, it's a gear, right? I think the most telling one is the bottom, the, the music player. Yeah. So in the middle there is the uh, Samsung's TouchWiz music player icon. And on the left is the iOS iTunes icon. And on the right is the sort of desktop, Windows, and OS X iTunes icon. And it's the same. I mean, that's a copy. Um, and there's, I mean, iTunes is like one of the most powerful brands, media brands in the world. Um, and to rip off that icon basically says to consumers, oh, this is music. This is iTunes on my Samsung device. And that's not allowed. I mean, I, you, there's like, fine, whatever. It's a phone icon. It's green, whatever. When you rip off the icon of the most powerful media company or powerful media brand in the world, which is iTunes, you are really treading on Get the ready. Yeah. So it sounds like not only do you think that this suit has merit, but you you think that this that Apple will be successful. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I know it's unpredictable. Success, success is a murky thing to define a lawsuit, right? Seventy percent of cases settle, and you know, like we've been saying, Apple and Samsung are, are huge partners in many more ways than they are competitors, right? I mean. Apple can't make the A4 or A5 processor without Samsung's help. I mean, there are, there are vanishingly few other foundries in the world that can do it at that scale and at that cost. Um, so, so what's success? I think success for Apple is um, Samsung stops making TouchWiz look exactly like iOS. Samsung starts to be more innovative, right? And that's kind of like success for the consumer as well. I mean, if the end result of this is that Samsung has to go and make TouchWiz better and start making phones that don't look like the iPhone, that's kind of a win, right? I mean, because then the people who want an iPhone can go buy an iPhone, and the people who want something new and different can go buy whatever Samsung makes next. And so we'll see. I mean, you know, there's people hate patents. Um, people on the internet 
particularly hate the idea of ownership, which I think is very funny. Um, and they hate the idea that Apple can own a messaging icon. And, and there's a certain aspect of that that's true. I mean, that's, it feels ridiculous. But at the end of the day, you know, they're just using the, you know, they're availing themselves of the resources of our society, right? Which yeah. is patent. This is what you do. Copyright protection, right? So whatever, they're doing it. And those systems are designed to make companies actually compete. And I think we're all better off if, you know, whatever, if Apple wins or they settle or whatever it is, we're actually all kind of better off if Samsung stops copying Apple in touchways right. and they start doing their own thing because that will force well, Apple to better the next time. Let me, let me make the opposite argument, a little bit of the opposite argument, which is that all of these user interfaces and designs and everything are influenced by the other. I mean, this, uh, this Windows lawsuit, for instance, yeah, Windows looks a lot like Macintosh, but that was, that was good for Windows users that there was some consensus about how to do a GUI. You wouldn't want something vastly different. Um, I don't, the real, I guess, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Nile, but it strikes me that the crux of this is, is Samsung trying to succeed by tricking consumers? Yes, that is, you got it. That's the nut, right? I mean, that's fundamentally it. They're saying. They can be inspired by it as long as that's okay. Right. Well, yeah, right. I mean, that's, that's why the Motorola suit and the, and the HTC suit and the Nokia suit and whatever, all those other Apple, Android lawsuits, those are all about very technical underlying system patents, right? How did you make the computer work? Right. How are you addressing the RAM? All that stuff. This is about, I mean, that stuff is in here, but it's almost the foundation. The, the meat of the lawsuit, the front half of the lawsuit is all about stop pretending to be Apple. Well, right? let me stop ask, pretending now, to be maybe this is the wrong audience, but come on. Alex it's Lindsay, would you accidentally audience. buy an, a Samsung Galaxy S thinking it was a, an iPhone? No, but, but I can see my parents doing that. Really? I can see my parents not knowing the difference between um, these oh, two Oh, honey, phones. it looks just like an iPhone. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I, I could definitely see my parents walking into Verizon store and and walking out thinking okay. that they've got something that was just like the iPhone. I don't I think so. But I, I, think, I, I can't imagine even the f most technically well, no, out-of-touch person. I've heard this so many times. Wait, you haven't heard this? The Galaxy S on Verizon. Fascinating, right? Well, before the iPhone came to Verizon, people wanted a Verizon phone. They had Verizon contracts, they're happy with the service, whatever. And they would go into the store and say, is the iPhone out in Verizon yet? And the salesmen would say, no, it's not going to be out. Maybe it'll come later. Right now we have the Fascinate, which is designed to be just like the, the iPhone. And I've heard this story from multiple people. I mean, verbatim. The salesman said, this is just like the But they're iPhone. not confused. They know they're not buying an iPhone. They're just buying something that has the iPhone's capabilities on a carrier they prefer. What's wrong with that? But it, but it does. But the thing is that the box looks like the iPhone box. The interface looks like the iPhone interface. The hardware looks like, you know, when you add all those things up and you add in this message, it's just like the iPhone, you get this likelihood of confusion with consumers. They say, oh, this is good enough. And that is bad for the market, right? I mean, you don't want people buying the bad thing. You don't want to disincentivize the originality and say, oh, well, let's just buy the copy that's cheaper, right? You don't, that's kind of bad. You want to incentivize people to pay the creators and the innovators. And so, gonna, so people, uh, so this doesn't damage the, the, the lawsuit. If people know it's not an iPhone, there, there's still that deception there if you're saying, well, it's, we designed it to be just like an iPhone for Verizon, basically. In other words, they don't have to be confused that they're buying an iPhone. I, don't, I doubt there's very many consumers well, so, see, that would think, think they're buying an Apple product. But I think you and me and all the listeners to the show and you know, Andy and, and, and everybody else in the studio, like, I, I think the, we're all too smart. <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of like, the issue, right? It's, we all know. I mean, Samsung called this damn thing the, the Galaxy iPhone, and we would still know it's not an iPhone. But, you know, my mom or, you know, the average person on the street or whoever would be like, oh, it's an iPhone. 
So I mean, at what yeah. level do you do you say, well, that's trademark infringement, right? I mean, you, it, is it Galaxy iPhone? Is that going too far? Is copying the interface exactly going too far? I mean, those are that's why we have a court, right? Well, I mean, Apple can say you're going too far. Samsung can say we're not going too far. Right. And, the and then the court decides. Well, and, and I think that this is also typically these kind of uh, lawsuits are also a message to everybody else saying, you know, we've Stay got back. we've got money to the we've got money that goes to the core mm -hmm. of the earth, and we we are willing to spend it to protect this. And so, if you decide you're going to go down this path, you just need to know there's going to be, you know, this is how we're going to react in the future. And so I think that that's also a big message to a lot of other manufacturers that, you know, this is going to cost you 10 to $20 million to take to court. Uh, you just need to make sure that it's worth it. Is it relevant that Apple's asking for a jury trial? Uh, no. That's, that's, that's just what happens. You. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's what you do. I mean, the, getting to that jury trial is a long, long well, way away. Well, and that's I mean, another question. Presumably uh, Apple uh, phoned up Mr. Samsung and said, hey, dude, I'm going to sue you. Uh, let's settle. <laughs> and Mr. Samsung said, no, not no way. Well, number one is I don't think that that would necessarily be the case. I mean, oh, I come on. No, you, you don't You don't go right to a lawsuit. Uh, do you? Sometimes. No, no what, do you, what do you say? They well, must have, I mean, they must that, have approached it and said, let's sure they settle. Sent official, I'm sure they, they must sent have official said, communication. yeah, we want you to license this. And well, Samsung no, said, no, we don't feel this is an issue. I'm well, sure no, I mean, so I don't think, I mean, so that the patents maybe, right? I mean, especially with a supplier relationship like Apple has with Samsung, I can see them saying, okay, we're, we need you to license these patents. You got to build the chips, you know, we'll take it, whatever it is. With the interface, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Apple is interested in licensing out elements and design patents of the iPhone interface. I, I think they would rather, right. you know, kill right. themselves and do that. So, that so what they would have said they is stop. Said, they said, stop doing this. Yeah. You have to stop doing this. It's illegal. We're going to sue you. And Samsung said, no, we think we're in the right. We think there's meaningful differences that consumers understand between your interface and our interface. And Apple said, screw it, we're suing you. Um, I mean, I do think this happens all the time, that you might buy a car that looks like a fancier car because it's got the same body. You so, might yeah, I mean, tra trade dress lawsuits, I mean, a lot of them have to do with cars. I mean, Ferrari sues people for violating its trade dress all right. the time. That, and, you know, that's like, it's funny that... Everybody is like sort of most smart people are very wrapped up in the machinations of our government, right? They're into politics and they care about who the president is and who's in Congress. And then there's, there's this third branch of the government that's right. like all but ignored. And it's right. like really important, right? Um, and there's this, you know, trade dress is one of those things and, and trademarks are one of those things where they affect you constantly. I mean, right. we live in a, a branded society, right? Everything is a brand. Everything has consumer meaning, and everything informs your decisions to be a rational actor in the marketplace. Um, and that all is to do with trademarks and trade dress. And so the lines of what can one company do to blur your understanding of where a product is coming from are sort of always in play. And, you know, it's not, oh, my God, has anybody ever won one of these lawsuits where this law came from? It's oh my God, Apple is a company I know suing Samsung, a company I know for violating trade dress, not Ferrari suing some car supplier I've never heard of. Right. And that's sort of the, the big issue here. Yeah, I mean, you could see Apple, Apple suing all those Chinese companies that made exact iPhone clones. There were, you know, dozens of them. Yeah, but they wouldn't get, you know, the Galaxy S is one of those popular phones in the market. Right. And, I, you know, I would argue that one of the reasons for that is because it looks just like the iPhone. Uh, uh, okay. You know, I, there are, Galaxy S is really good hardware. I think if you I ask people, yeah. how much do they love TouchWiz? They'd be like, I, I rooted my phone and installed stock Android on it. Right. Um, and except for the people who are like, yeah, it's really great. It's just like the iPhone. There's no, <laughs> I don't think anybody loves TouchWiz for what it is. Um, so so TouchWiz is, yes, yeah, I've never seen TouchWiz because I use the, uh, the Nexus S, which right. is a Googleization. It doesn't have any of the uh, Samsung uh, dressing on it. So I don't see that. 
Maybe that's why I don't understand this lawsuit. Yeah, I mean, if you use touch with, I mean, yeah, it's fine. You know, I mean, it, it it's a skin on Android, just like any other skin is a skin on Android. But right. I think you look at what HTC does or what Motorola does with their skins; they go far oh, yeah, beyond. Yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. again, you know, I, I I don't think I can stress this enough. You don't see Apple suing HTC or Motorola for trademarks or trade dress or any of this other stuff. Yeah. Because they're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you you couldn't make this icon line with right. a, a Motorola phone, right? You couldn't do it. And the fact that you can speaks volumes about what Samsung is trying to do. I mean, the, like, you know, I think the, the most telling one out of all of these, and this one sound ridiculous, is the phone icon, right? There are 10,000 ways to design a phone icon. You don't have to make it a green gradient with an angled white phone on it. And they just did it. I mean, they made a choice. I mean, and they made it different. It's like, it'd be one thing if they just copied it. Be like, oh, we just copied it. You know, some designer got lazy. This is like, they made it's a slightly close. different. Yeah. You know, and like, they had to be like, well, this is what it's going to look like. We're going to take a meeting. Yeah, I might yeah, like theirs better. Exactly. However. <laughs> it is nice. Yeah, the ones I mean, on the right, I, 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 is, if you look at the video, the ones on the right are the Samsung, the ones that left are the Apple. I think in every respect, the Samsung actually looks better, but it doesn't matter. The context icon is way better, actually. I really yeah. like that. Yeah. By but, the way, well, before we let you go, uh, Neil, one, one more little bit, which is the funniest thing of all, uh, although it's a sideline to it, Apple's lawyers apparently don't feel as strongly about copyright as Apple does <laughs> because these two images in the complaint were stolen from Engadget and Android Community. Yeah, well, no, just that one image on the right there. The, the one on the left is Apple's patent. Oh, okay. So what they did was they put in their design patent, and they went and found an image that looked just like it in the galaxy. <laughs> Which is from And so that's from Miriam. It was, uh, no, it's, it's actually a picture just like that is on a gadget, but that's Miriam Joir, who's their, their mobile editor. Uh, is, she maybe, just put that up. Maybe there. they licensed it through Getty Images. Maybe they did. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny. You know, it's, it's, it's this thing. You've got these copyright and, and IP attorneys and trademark attorneys, uh, you know, at Morrison Forster, which is Apple's law firm. You know, you can't blame Apple on this. They're attorneys. No, 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 but, no, no, no. Uh, but you've got these high-powered IP attorneys who are a huge firm. Where are we going to find some making, clip art? <laughs> right. And they're making, but they're making these very pedantic claims about copying. They're saying, you copied this icon. Right. You are confusing consumers. You're doing all this stuff. And then... It's like one very tired associate was like given the job of go find a picture that looks like this. And they searched Flickr and they grabbed a picture. Right? Well, here's the question I have for you actually is from a copyright perspective is I don't, is that really, is that a copyright infringement to use it in a lawsuit? Yeah. It is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's like it's not I did a bunch of, re it was actually, it's funny, you know, all this, I did this huge article on all the, on all the other stuff. Um, and, you know, that's more important. That's the billion dollar lawsuit, right? Um, and then I couldn't stop thinking about whether or not it's copyright infringement because it just doesn't come up. It never happens. But, you know, law firms have, have threatened to sue each other over copying bits and pieces of the complaint. That's you know, this funny. document is a copyrightable thing. That's and, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just funny that, you know, this, it's this mistake that everybody makes, right? Oh, I can just use it. It's not for a commercial purpose or I can just use it. It's fair use. And that's not how our system works. But because it feels very instinctively to everybody online that that's how it should work, we just assume that, that that's how it actually works. But the underlying system isn't ready for that. It's not ready for the internet. It hasn't been for a long time. So that's why it's funny. It's, you know, it's funny that you have these high-powered attorneys making the same assumptions about copyright <laughs> in, a, in a patent lawsuit that everybody else makes, you know, because it's just so easy and natural. Oh, Nilay, I, want, I thank you so much for uh, coming in here. Nilay Patel is at thisismynext.com. That is the name of the site until their next thing. Joanna Stern, yeah. Eli, Joshua Topolsky, and others, until uh, they start that up. What is, what is, you could talk about it. What is it? Uh, you know, we want to 
we wanted to do the next generation of online publishing. And, you know, we, our partners at SP Nation, they've built a platform there. Just a, that it's is, a sports, isn't that a sports? They do sports, right? But they have this huge, you know, they have a huge technical team behind them of developers and, and coders and designers. And they're, the platform they've built underneath the sports site, the actual CMS of the thing, is in its next generation. I mean, we, I, the first time I saw, I saw it, I actually started laughing because it, it made the idea of using like WordPress or whatever, whatever we had whatever using. Whatever gadget like, was using, yeah. Yeah, you know. I mean, you know, I think the room. I don't know this for sure, but you know, the rumors are that uh, what Engadget had been using, they're not beyond having the post system. So who knows? Um, Just tell know, me that you guys aren't going to start a twenty-four hour network all about technology. That's all yeah, I want to hear. It's going to be called This Day in Tech. <laughs> Son of a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, but look, we're going to do this. You know, we want to do. We want to combine this long form stuff. I love writing this long form stuff. I feel like. It, there's not enough of it. I and, agree. Know, all, That's, this article is fantastic. Right. And, you know, we've all been writing editorials, and it's been really great. So we want to combine more of this long-form stuff. We want to keep doing the news like we've been doing. We want to really blow out reviews. I mean, we want to take the idea of, you know, a tech site, uh, you know, a community of people that read it and, you know, all the media that goes around to it and try to push it into the next generation of what publishing is and not just have it be a river of posts. And... You know, there's, a, there's always room for that river of post and that endless stream of news, but I think there's a lot of room for uh, smart people and smart readers to interact and think and kind of get deeper on the things they love. And, yeah, that's where we're going with it. I know that's very vague, but, um, you know, i gotta, I got to no. say something better. I love that, uh, I can't actually. Wait. Yeah. Stephen, uh, you know, Stephen Levy was at uh, Food Camp last year, and he says, uh, you know, you've heard of slow cooking. I do slow writing, slow journalism. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, we need more long-form uh, thoughtful pieces. Uh, I love all of it. I, I love stuff that I can look at on uh, Flipboard uh, really quickly and just kind of go through it. And then I and then I, I expect when I get the you know something from the Economist or something right. from Wired, I expect that to be more more uh, thought out, more more researched, right. and in the same way, you know. That's why God and Marco created Instapaper, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, actually, one of the first, when you launch this, my next one of one of the first things people we heard from people is we want to use Instapaper. Yeah, um, and I think you know because all we've been doing is like editorials and reviews, and it's been very relaxing to step out of the news cycle of you know I have to write a post every twenty minutes and start thinking about things. Uh, and I think you'll see that reflected in, in what we do next. I, I'm very I'm very passionate about that. So it'll be good. I mean, we have a lot of plans. If we can pull off half of them by the fall. And just half, I think it'll be really great. If we pull off all of them, we will blow up the universe. I can't wait. That is my Nilay, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. It's been great to talk to all of you. Nilay Patel, this is my next.com. Do read the long form. We just did the short form, believe it or not. <laughs> do read, 45 minutes later. <laughs> you do read the long form uh, of the article because it's, it's actually fascinating. And uh, uh, as soon as Eileen saw it, she said, we got to get Nilay on the show. Thank you, Nilay. Thanks for having me, guys. Bye. Take care. We will continue Mac Break Weekly on the air. Andy's been very patient. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm smart enough to... I'm listening and I'm taking notes. And he, that, was, that was really great analysis. Yeah, I was really and glad I, to get him on. And, 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 I'm, with you, and like I'm with you. How many, how many times have you read like in gadget pieces and thought, man, this, if this guy had another two days and unlimited time to write this, I'm liking what I'm reading so far, but I know there's so much more that they could be saying. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I keep I keep thinking about a, a time when I was talking to one of the uh, an old time local like TV news broadcaster who said that the t the the day the TV news started to go downhill is when they stopped shooting things on film and started doing things on video and when they got a satellite truck mm. that was the worst thing of all when they because he was saying that when 
when I knew we were going to be doing a story on film, we had a minimum number of time it would take to actually develop the film, cut it together, put it together. And that gave me X number of hours or minutes to actually think about what I wanted to write and what I wanted to say. Whereas now you just have to go for the live shot. And that's so I'm really excited to see what's, what these guys are going to be doing on the new site. It's kind of bold in this day and age of, of short attention spans to say we want to do long attention span journalism. I'm thrilled. I'm really thrilled thank, they're doing it. Yeah. You know, th thank, thank these tablets. They've, they've given us mediums that we can actually take interesting things off the web and actually make them stuff we can read on the, read on the subway. That's actually a very good point, isn't it? Yeah. We're going to take a break. Come back with more. Andy Anako is here. Alex Lindsay, too. Lots of... This is maybe the longest Mac break weekly ever. Well, we're going to try to wrap this up in about 45 minutes. There's a ton, likely story. A ton to talk about. Uh, that's just the beginning. That's just the tip of the legal iceberg. That was just getting warmed up. This week in lawsuits will continue in a moment. But first, why don't we have one like that? This we week do. In, this week in law. Is it this with Denise Howell? It's just about lawsuit, one lawsuit. No, but another. I mean, they, they, oh, believe me, this will be the topic of the next This Week in Law. We do that every Friday at uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2, p 2, a 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, right here, live.twit.tv. Watch. And Denise always brings in actual lawyers. That's crazy. <laughs> Instead of us. That was why we had Nilai on, because uh, he knows. And, and This Week in Law is mostly copyright, patent, No, it's everything, technology. but it tends to do with technology. So, right. uh, and, uh, and, of course, as a result, there's a lot of uh, IP law, intellectual property uh, law that they talk about. But golly, there's a ton to talk about. Uh, yeah. In music industry, There's it's not just lawsuits. I think lawsuits are kind of ultimately boring, but I think the, the, the uh, debate behind them, the thing like the trade dress debate is fascinating. That's the, that's the interesting part of, uh, of the law. Hey, this portion of uh, whatever show we're doing, Mac Break Weekly 243, brought to you by our friends at Citrix. They do that great go-to-meeting. I am a fan. I know you are too, Alex Lindsay. We do go-to-meetings all the time now. Unfortunately, as this business has gotten bigger, we've had to do more conference calls. It's such a... I hate meetings. It is... I freaking hate meetings. You know, I'm not a big fan of meetings either, but what I hate more is actually going to them. Well, that's true. You know, I like, I this like eliminates the, that. You wear, you wear a nice shirt, and, uh, you know, you don't need to, you just need to make sure you have no a nice pants. shirt on. No well, pants. I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say that on. I know what you're saying. Didn't want to say it on the podcast. And actually, if you have one of those modern uh, webcams, you could, ha you could have a background that looks like a busy office yes. instead of your den or out by the pool. See, this is the beauty of GoToMeeting. By the way, work, work, works well with the iPad. They have a free iPad uh, client. I was really surprised because I, I was on a GoToMeeting with the iPad, and I went outside. Chris has got the Wi-Fi, and I went outside. Actually, cause it would work on 3G, too. And I'm sitting here, and then I realized, oh, I plugged in my, uh, my iPhone headset with the microphone. I don't need a phone. I'm just sitting here with the iPad and having a meeting. It's amazing. Yeah. Mac or PC, go to meeting.com slash... No, I guess not slash. Go to meeting.com, click the try it free button, and use the, the promo code. We, we, we couldn't do the Pixel Core anymore without... without no, no, I couldn't do what we're doing. It's... Um, mm -hmm. It really, uh, if you're going to have to have meetings and you do as you get bigger, because, you know, you got to be, all be on the same page. It's not just as you get bigger, as uh, teams get distributed, because now and now, more with you, certainly, but, but more, and more and more with us, we're working with people who are not on site. Yep. And uh, go to meetings is fantastic. And it's great for meetings, and it's also great, great for training. You know, so you want to train a bunch of people on something, you want to be able to share your it says screen. That right here. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, we, that's what we use it probably for more than anything else, is we'll have, uh, we, we had a, I was sitting in a training where the uh, trainer was in London. And he's training people all over the world. I, I'm, in, I'm in Petaluma watching how to do match moving, you know, and so there's a bunch of us crowded around. Watching's the key word. You can do a lot on a phone call, but you can't watch. And then people are raising their hand and he's answering the questions and we've great? got a moderator and it's all like, you know, like, you're like, they must have been doing this for a while. <laughs> I've got a, um, I don't know what, probably, they have a, like a larger group 
product. So we, we, I'm use, do, we actually use webinar, go, to webinar, go to webinar. Webinar, yeah. That's what we, we actually have that, and that, that'll handle up to 100. Uh, I'm giving a webinar. I'll have to get the details because I'm giving a webinar awesome. in the future of work uh, in next month. I think. It's like go to meeting on steroids. Yeah. Go to meeting. Try this one. Uh, for most businesses, this is what you yeah, need unless you want to have a really big group. At training, collaboration, um, presentation. Great if you have a sales presentation and you don't want to fly out to the client. Clients even love using this. Go to meeting.com. Uh, click the Try It Free button. Use the offer code uh, MACBREAK. Um, here's one more uh, note that just came in uh, via our chat room. And a credit to Jeff. This article from Mac Rumors. It gets even worse. Apparently... Let me see. It's not coming up. Analysis of Apple's lawsuit against Samsung includes iOS device sales numbers. Oh, that's interesting. So there's more information in, in here about sales, that stuff that maybe Apple doesn't typically review. Apple notes that had, at either as of or by March 2011, they had sold 108 million iPhones 60 million iPod touches, so that's 168 million of the little devices, and 19 million iPads, that's 187 million iOS devices. Uh, and, and they doing a little math, they're saying that 18 million iPhones were sold, sold during the quarter, 4.5 million iPod touches sold during the quarter, and 4.2 million iPads sold during the quarter. During the so, quarter? That's actually a little lower than maybe you might have thought. Oh, yeah. First quarter of 2011. Now, the reason Mac Rumors mentions this is because everybody thought they might have sold as many as twice as many of that. So maybe the iPad... I think, you know, if you roll in the fact that iPad 1 was, this, was the dominant ver version selling at that time, right? People were... N and knew iPad 2 was on its way. I would expect a drop in sales for them. Well... Yeah, and I and I also think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that people are waiting for the iPad too. If they're if they're gonna up, you know, typically people upgrade. I don't know if the iPad. I think I think that's why you have low low numbers. Wait, wait till we get Q two numbers. Ooh, yeah, that's when you see the iPad two take off. All right, let's move on from uh, legal stuff. I'm a little disappointed. You know, I bought a MacBook Air the day it came out. <laughs> yes, it has a Toshiba SSD in it. I checked. I ran the little system thing. Now they're putting in uh, something a little faster, apparently. They decided they wanted a considerably, actually, faster uh, Samsung <laughs> Whoops. SSD in the new MacBook Airs. Ooh. So I'm just trying to find somebody to palm that MacBook Air off on so I can get the new faster one. <laughs> Andy, does that make a difference? Wait, wait, wait. That's not Andy. Andy, does that make a difference? I, I'm really not sure. I've seen I've seen the I have I don't have one of the new SSDs myself. I've seen the numbers, and based on my own experience with MacBook Air, I don't think that you'd be kicking yourself that you didn't wait until uh, the new SSD came out. Faster is always better, but yeah, uh, I wait, still like what, 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 what would you have done with the three months in which you did not have a MacBook, right. a, a really nice okay. tiny MacBook? You would have st stared at the window, is what you would have done. I might give it to Dvorak. <laughs> <laughs> Suffer. You, 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 you act as though it's like one of those like novelty cans of mixed nuts. Saying, John, <laughs> would you would you like an SSD powered MacBook Air? <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> I think I think for, for for folks who are really pushing it, maybe it would be a different. Like if you're trying to do video or audio on your little MacBook Air, uh, but I think that for the average user, I can't imagine yeah. that speed. Being I was looking at the numbers in a non-stack. It is a lot. The new to, the uh, new Samsung is faster. Of course, maybe maybe you should buy it now before Samsung pulls the plug well, on all of what it. What applications are you using on it that would, that no, would push that drive? That's, well, that, that, that's exactly the thing. If you're using the sort of applications where uh, really, really fast, super fast disk access is going to be a transformative thing, you probably shouldn't have bought yourself a MacBook Air, sir. Well, I did also buy the new MacBook Pro with an SSD. I yes. should look and see which one's in the uh, MacBook Pro that I just got, the i7. That thing Was it Thunderbolt? Yeah. It's got Thunderbolt. Did you see a lot of Thunderbolt at the <sighs> NAB show? Oh, my gosh. I saw so much Thunderbolt. I was all hard drives or what else? Uh, so, you know, someone I was just commenting on someone's comment about uh, someone talking about Thunderbolt. Adobe was talking about Thunderbolt, and I uh, and I said I am more excited. I, the only thing, the only hardware addition to the Mac that I was more excited about than Thunderbolt is the mouse. You know, because I mean, it is when you look at the, at the throughput that it's providing and what it's going to allow us to do. Uh, so. We saw a bunch of drives. One of the things that I didn't really realize is that you could do stuff like, um, so Lacie was showing some of their little their little big drives with SSD drives, and you can uh, take four of the drives and and RAID two pairs of RAID zero, and then pair them as a uh, RAID one, so they're mirrored. So they're mirrored, but RAID zero, zero plus one, in other words. Yeah, zero plus one, and now. So you got four drives that now. I mean, the, the throughput is is like over a gigabyte. gigabyte the the nominal throughput of uh, Thunderbolt is what three gigabits per second? No, no, ten gigabits ten. per second each way. Yeah. So now, so then you combine that with you've got those four drives. Now you combine the fact that you can do a dual link Black Magic card that's going <laughs> to let you pull in uncompressed, um, uh, uncompressed uh, HD footage or even uncompressed 4K footage. Okay, so um, so the thing is, is that what I I, I had to, we had to rebuild drives from scratch to get them fast enough when I first started shooting uncompressed HD. Um, now we could take my F950, which is 444 uncompressed. Uh, it's 190 megabytes a second. And I could um, redundantly capture it live on a laptop to external drives. Wow. So I could capture two copies of it at that moment live um, on in case a one of the drive laptop. dies or something you've got you've got a backup you, well usually what it's happens mission is, critical at, at the end of every show the first thing that we do no one moves any of the computers make, make and we make a we make a backup yeah, yeah. and so the thing is is imagine being able to and that takes a that. long time by the way that's a that is <laughs> when you're captured when you're captured uncompressed it yeah. takes it, it can take an hour and a half two hours right. of it just sitting there i can no, remember mac break weekly uh, or mac break rather just sitting there wait, waiting and everybody's got their hands in the <laughs> yeah, air like this. Everyone's like, you know, just, just let it pass. So imagine being able to get that copy in real time, you know, captured. Yeah. And so the thing is, is that it is a, um, it's a profound change. And so there's a lot of hard dri hardware drivers. Uh, the other thing that I saw, we Now, we this do is all hugely expensive. Is there going to be anything? No, no, these are, these are not particularly. Well, come on. Four SSDs right there. They're, this I mean, is not okay. something I would buy. This is something an Alex would well, buy. Well, it's, it's, I think that the drives are in the $500 range each. So they're not, they're it's expensive. two grand for the drives. Yeah, so yeah. it's, All right. um, but the RAID that, that, I, that I've been using otherwise is $6,000. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a big drop. The, um, and that's going all the way, that's going overboard. But then they also, sh like uh, Sonic was showing these, uh, it's a four, it's a four by compact flash. So a lot of us capture video on compact flash. Uh -huh. It's got four compact flashes with Thunderbolt. So you can plug four, uh, if you're shooting at, a, at an event or, or something like that, you can plug four compact flashes in and it will capture them to an external drive as fast as the compact flash is capable of writing. 
you know, all four of them at the same time. Um, from a production perspective, it is a, a just a complete game changer. It, it, you know, and, and the more are we going to see? I mean, I guess the reason that you talk about this is that very few people need you know ten gigabit throughput. So, I mean, I guess we'll see external drives that have you know fast throughput, but that's. Yeah. Nobody really but, needs that, right? Well, no, you, you might, you might, you might really need 10 gigabit throughput when that's also your display driver, and you've got two ah, drives. Uh, 10 right. gigabit throughput is also going to be really, really useful, obviously, when you're doing backups and stuff like that. So this is this is one of those features that everybody is going to benefit from. Well, we've done an all-stop. We fully expect Apple with a, by by WWDC um, to have Mac Pros and Minis and iMacs and everything else. We're already seeing right now. Only the MacBook Pro is uh, has the yeah, which is exciting. Uh, what I what I've been wanting for years is the is the is the well since USB three came out was I want to have Mac Minis that I can use as streaming boxes that can take uncompressed video and that has been something that that's been kind of a, a distant dream right. until now where now you know as soon as the Mac Minis come out it means we're going to be able to really connect real devices to it uh, to have it do work and if if you if you combine a quad i seven you know into a Mac Mini and then give it Thunderbolt you have a now you really have a server right you know and that's the whole thing and. And it's not a server with delicate fiber, you know, and fiber channels and all these other things that, that are really expensive. It's just something like get a bunch of Mac minis and, you know, hook up a Thunderbolt to it. It's, it really um, changes a lot of things really quickly. It's very exciting. Apple will release its uh, uh, quarterly results on Wednesday, so we'll know how well those new MacBooks are doing. But uh, Gene Munster at NPD is saying uh, he sees a – he thinks it's going to be like a 47% increase in Mac sales, MacBook sales, just because of this new – And then they'll have another one in the next one. I know it sold me. I wanted it. And then they'll have one for the other device, other other machines. And if I hadn't just bought one. Well, I, I you know, I Andy wrote a great article. I love this article, Andy, in Macworld, macworld.com, mm -hmm. to upgrade or not, in which he talks about uh, that tough decision about whether to buy the new thing. And we're all swayed by the shiny. <laughs> but I thought you did – I thought you did a very intelligent – analysis yeah because there, there are two different ways that i i can write about a piece of technology one is you know this guy who all i have to do is sign for a package and i get to get the 500 hundred dollar thing at least right. for a month or two right. but then when it comes time to actually spend my own money that re it really becomes a much more complicated decision tree uh and yeah with the, with the, the i i really think that uh uh, I, I, I try to drive my MacBooks the way I drive my cars, where as soon as I, I can sense that one more mile and this thing is going to fall apart like the Bluesmobile, that's the time I think that, okay, I've gotten all the value that I can out of this and it's time to get something new. So it's, when, when it's time to upgrade a MacBook, that's the time when you realize that it, it, there has to be a very long list of new features, things that I can do with this that I can't do with the old one uh, that really forces your hand. And that's really the decision that you make for every time you want to spend more than $50 on a piece of technology. What can I do with this new one that I can't do with the older one? Well, see, I'm just going to go out and buy a new SSD for my MacBook Air for thousands of dollars, and I'll get incredible throughput. Well, and I, I think one, see, of, that's, one of the yeah. other things, though, is I think that it's... it's <laughs> that's uh, me, Andy. <laughs> I don't no, no, it's just, You're it's just so a, rational, yeah. and I'm going, but I want it. Okay, oh, but, yeah, and, oh, and I, I want it, too. It's just that there's, there's uh, someone explained to me the difference between being cheap and being frugal. That if cheap means that under no circumstances will you spend a dollar, frugal means that you'll spend ten dollars, but you want to get twenty dollars worth of value for it. Uh, and that's why you're smart. Uh, that's right. That, that's, and, that, and that's why you know when I, when it came time to buy the buy the MacBook, it was like, do I want to spend a little bit more money and get the SSD? Right. And I just had to translate it into it'll be faster, it'll be a little bit more durable, but 
take the amount of money extra that you would spend getting half the cap half the capacity as an SSD. You could buy two backup drives, two, a two-year subscription to an off-site online backup service, uh, and, you'd also, and you'd also have a nice other pocket drive for uh, for, uh, for for backing up uh, and storing all your photos on. Can't you do? Can't you do more with that sort of stuff than right. you can with solid state? Although, man, yeah, it, it, it is cool when you the first time you're using an SSD-based oh, machine, man. and you just and you're it's you're at the coffee shop and you're you check the time, so oop, I better I'm gonna miss my train if I don't leave soon. The first time you just slam the lid closed, throw it into your bag, and leave without waiting for an LED to start snoozing. That's when you realize that oh, this is why people spend six hundred dollars for this feature. So, Otherworld Computing selling a upgrade to the SSD for my MacBook Air for. Gee, twelve hundred bucks for three hundred sixty gigs. That's only uh, two hundred bucks more than I paid for the air. But it's tempting, hovering, hovering. I'm not <laughs> hovering. I'm not going to do. And it. the other thing is, is that with this much throughput, I can definitely see. I think that we're going to definitely see at least the airs, if not a lot of the other computers, slowly reduce all of the connections on the side. So yeah, well that's you know, the I, point, right? Yeah, you have one point. one connector. One uh, connector. The, uh, the Thunderbolt. All of your connectors that you have that you want at home will be in your monitor. And then, right. you'll, and then you'll just have a Thunderbolt that connects to your monitor. That's of course, what, what about when you're on the road? Are you going to have a, a massive dongle? We talked about this last time. I mean, I could see having a USB and a Thunderbolt. Like, I could see Apple just going, okay, here's the deal. USB, right. Thunderbolt, power. And those are the three that you're going to get. And that's it. And, you know, when I look to the side, I could, I could oh, and maybe a headphone jack. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'm yeah. almost back to where we were. Yeah, but, but <laughs> and and you're carrying us around. Imagine no, but no, no Ethernet, no uh, FireWire, no second USB. You know, like if you want all those extra things, that, I, those are things you get the dongle. I just for. want to go on record, Andy, that I'm so impressed that you were able to not pull the trigger on an iPad 2, not pull the trigger on a Nikon P7000. Of course, you bought mm -hmm. the most expensive of the three. <laughs> okay, but the, the difference is that I directly make money off of my MacBook. Right. No, no, and also, and also, also realized that I was, I was, I had a three-year-old MacBook. The trackpad button didn't work anymore. <laughs> it's, it was time. It was, it was starting. It, was to, it, it, it really wanted to go back to Jesus, uh, and so I decided after after three years of very, very long, very, very stellar service, Lilith number nine had earned its place on the Valhalla shelf if, with Lilith number one through eight. If there's a MacBook Pro heaven. I'm sure they have a hell of a throughput. We're going to take a break, come back with more. You're watching Mac Break Weekly. Alex Lindsay from the Pixel Core is here, back from the NAB show, I'm sure, with lots of juicy things you'd like to buy. Oh. <laughs> my my, wallet, my wallet is like literally like, you know, in, in uh, Indiana Temple of Doom when you're holding onto that rock yeah. and it's like burning through the bags? <laughs> That's what my wallet's like I right think now. more uh, of myself as, as uh, Ulysses tied to the mast with the siren's call. Remember that when he said, oh, tie me to the mast, and no matter what I do, do not untie me. And the sirens are going, please, Ulysses, please, come there are many, here. There are many pretty things. Come here. Uh, uh, Andy Nako is also here, and he, is, he has heeded the sirens' call, but only once out of the three possible times. Plus his good, faithful dog, <laughs> whatever his name. And he apparently can't afford a real dog, so he uses surrogates. Okay. He's got a every, when, I, when I was in Bolt, as always, whenever I'm staying at somebody's house and they have dogs, I have such, like, like yeah. I, if, if there's a biological clock for buying a dog, I feel with the ticking of that clock. It's like, oh. I have, the, the, um, I have the MacBook Air of dogs. If you'd like a Papillon, I'd be glad oh. to put them in a box and ship them to you. You're too cute. too cute. You would love him. He's about, he's seven pounds. He's this yeah. big. You could keep him in your pocket. 
I spend so much travel time. I traveling. know that's what I'm saying. I, I, I think I, I I keep telling myself that my biggest my biggest recommendation as a responsible dog owner is that I realize that I probably can't own a dog. Really? You could. Oh, I've I, seen I, people I, on the plane with dogs in their pockets. Isn't that uh, is that's that legal? Silliness. I yeah, see that. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. really, really, you're keeping a dog on the plane? Well, you don't want to put it in the cargo compartment, especially if it's seven pounds. It'll I be. Want, I want. I want to be able to throw a baseball and not know that I'm going to be crushing my dog to death if I miss time to throw. <laughs> so I, want, I, want, I, want, I want the Toyota Corolla of yeah. dogs. No, that, that's that, actually that, that's why Henry does not like uh, Ozzy, because he can't. He can't do that. By the way, just a real quick picture from the, and again, thank you to the chat room who's feeding me stuff, caffeine-free Dave, who is a little, uh, I'm afraid, a little bit too energetic for somebody who's not on caffeine. So it makes me wonder, Dave, what you are on has uh, given us this image of the new prototype. This is from the 2011 Geneva Motor Show VW Microbus with an iPad in the dash. <laughs> I'd buy it. That looks cool. They're bringing back the Microbus. With an iPad. With an iPad. Modern. Look at this streamlined dashboard. You can put it all on the iPad. You, you just got to make sure you're always driving south or southeast so that you can actually see the screen and get hit. I would say as long as, as, long as reflections the, could be an issue, couldn't they? As long as the radiator is not under the, the driver's seat we'll <laughs> you know, be, or the, the passenger seat, we'll all be fine. Toyota's going to sue them saying that's stealing the trade, trade dress of the Scion. It looks exactly like the Scion. I don't know. Oh, it's in the house now. That's a good image. I like to drive. Drive your microbus right into the house. That's not a house. That's a really nice garage. It's, that's not a microbus. It's just a really nice iPad holder. That's a car. That's a car house. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with more Mac Break Weekly in just a bit. But first, a word from FreshBooks. If you are in business for yourself, you know that one of the most annoying parts of business is the invoicing. But it's also the most, the most important part. That's where you get paid, kids. That's why FreshBooks came along to make it all easier. I remember when I first started using FreshBooks, and I have used them since 2004, when they, I think they first started. Uh, it transformed my life. I am not, I am, as you probably gathered, Mr. Organization. Mm -mm. And uh, I would invoice people months, nay, <laughs> on one, at least one occasion, years after I did the... <laughs> I gave up. So if I, if I didn't invoice you after six months, I was like, you know, they're probably not going to pay me now. That, so. No, they, they really questioned my uh, integrity. They said, you're, what, now? You're invoicing us now? So that stopped when I started using FreshBooks. See, first of all, it's very easy. You upload your logo, and now you do it all on the web or on your iPhone. There's an iPhone app that does the invoicing, too. Now, I think about the uh, iPhone app. I guess you do this on the web, too. It'll track time and then just pump the hours right into the uh, invoice. So if you do get paid by the hour, this is a fantastic tool for you. really simplifies things. I worked with, uh, I invoice people in Canada as well as the U.S., so I had to use multiple currencies. They handle all the currencies easily. You know, so that's pretty neat. If you work internationally, now more and more do. You can automatically uh, send a bill and automatically charge your credit card so the client can pay automatically. Of course, they have to let you. But once they authorize that, you get paid right away as soon as you send the bill. And you don't even have to think about sending the bill because the invoice is automatic too. And I like the pay it now button on these invoices because, let's be honest, most clients do want to pay right away. They just want to get it out of their brain. So they'll push that button. They'll use the credit card or one of 11 different authorization services and boom, you're paid. If they don't pay right away, automated late payment reminders make it easy to collect. And if they are old-fashioned 
and they like paper invoices, they can do that too for a small additional charge. I used to do that for Rogers because they never they wanted paper. Paper. <laughs> they wanted paper. So cute. But that was a Wait. while ago. They may have they have may have updated now. But uh, but I would that way you send them electronic and then you follow up with paper. That's really if you know. your client asks you to deliver uh, your video on VHS, they're going to want paper. That's all. They're going to want paper. Just warning you. Try it free right now. It's actually free for three clients. So if you're, you know, if you're just getting started, that would have been enough for me for most of the time I was doing invoicing. By the time you have twenty clients, uh, you you know maybe you got somebody to do this for. I think you. this year was the first year we broke into more than three. More than three, but three is you know good. If uh, so, anyway, free to three to start with up to three. Then they have accounts for larger, the Mighty Oak account, the Evergreen or the Seedling account. I like the names. <laughs> Freshbooks.com. Yes, they're still sending out birthday cakes one each week to new users. So sign up today and you might get a birthday cake. Tomorrow, I mean, Fresh we would books. still fit into the seedling account. I know twenty five. That's twenty five. That's a lot of clients. <laughs> that's a, a lot, lot of work. clients, and oh, all the features you get is just fantastic, fantastic. Freshbooks.com. Try them today. I get a lot of emails and tweets these days from people who say, "Hey, I tried Freshbooks on your recommendation, and I'm very happy." It really does make things easier. Apple may be, Apple could be, and we might find out Wednesday because the their earnings are going to come out. And you know how Wall Street reacts to those good earnings. The Did first trillion-dollar company in market value. How would they do that? Well, let's see. Uh, what would their share have to be? So uh, if, they had a if they got their shares up to $430, that's a 28% increase in stock price. You think they could hit $430? Scott Bourne probably would say, yes, of course. Some, some people are already targeting them over 500 They would then... Wow. Let's see. No, they wouldn't make trillion. That would only make them maybe f f bigger than Exxon. <laughs> I, think that was the, I think that was the point. That's where they have to get to to get bigger than Exxon. Now, to get to a trillion, what would they have They'd to have do? They'd have to double that again double a little again. bit more. Yeah. Apple would have to hit $1,000 a share Yeah. because they got $921 million uh, shares outstanding. But at the pace they're going, it's possible. Yeah. Well, they've got an average 59% annual growth rate, so three years. Now, you can't keep growing yeah, at that rate. Right. You can't keep doing that. Well, I, I, we've been talking about Apple not doing that for a long time. But I, I know. Think, they keep surprising everybody. But no, they're not. Especially think, with... Do you how think many with, new ideas can you really come up Steve's with? And Steve's not at the helm. Or is he? He seems to be pretty It's hard to say to because helm. he was, in fact, at that event. He may not be actually at the helm, but I think he's got a cell phone to the person. He's got a walkie-talkie. Yeah, there's like a brain... <laughs> hey, helmsman! Helm. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a red phone. But you, but you got you got to you got to imagine if they're going to continue this growth, realize that that's the past three year, three or four years of coming up with practically a new epic shaping uh, product almost every like year and a half. So once they get the iPad three, which will have pretty much uh, everything, including unicorn births, as far as all the features they can possibly put into a tablet, what are they going to do in 2013, 2014 that could possibly match that sort of thing? Are they I mean, now going to be? I really think that we're going to start to see flattening out of the curve after 2012. I mean, if it doesn't flatten out, I think pretty soon that we may end up in a situation where Apple has to bail out the U.S. government. It's going to be it's going to be serious. I mean, they're going to you know well, they're you going to be saw, like, hey, we got some see, cash laying around here. You saw that article that said uh, Google could actually ju actually just the combined uh, value of Larry, Sergey, and Eric could buy the music industry right. and just you know say, okay, guys, well, we're we're tired of all this bitching and moaning. Just you know, we want to buy you. 
And it would work if it, it, it would actually work better if Amazon and Google and Apple split it up so that there wouldn't be any antitrust issues. And then, and then the three of them could just say, okay, now we're going to change the whole business model. And they couldn't talk to each other about it. They would just have to wink at each other across the room. Otherwise, it would be you know, antitrust. So I, want, this is, uh, the, I should have put this up at the top, and I apologize for not doing the, uh, the official retraction portion of our program. I was wrong. I was wrong. Whoa. Mea culpa. Mea, no, I wasn't that bad. Uh, we were talking, this actually wasn't even on this show. It was on Twit. We were talking about color. And uh, with Robert Scoble was on the line. And I think we had Brian Brushford in the room. And we started talking about the fact that color, which is that iOS app. It was also on Android. Uh, and another a couple of programs, uh, without notification, opened the microphone on your iPhone and gathered sound. Mike Elgin in Computer World, quoting us, a couple of days ago, mentioned Color, Shopkick, and Into Now, all of which use the microphone to gather information. Into Now uh, listens to what you're watching on TV or fingerprints it, and uh, then uh, somehow uh, says hello. I don't know what it does. I don't have that app. We know about Color. Turns out Color does a fingerprint of... This was th unclear to me, and Robert Scoble uh, clarified this later, but uh, in, the, in the show a couple of weeks ago, he said Color turns on the mic, listens to the room, and somehow figures out if there are other phones in that room. It doesn't use Bluetooth, in other words, or Wi-Fi to figure out who's nearby. So clarifications. I got uh, one from Nathan Scharf, who is at Into Now. He says, I want to clarify a few things that were said about in Into Now. Uh, the Into Now system, no audio is ever sent back to our servers. And Robert Scoble sent me a note saying, Color says the same thing. No audio is ever sent back to the servers. They're not recording audio. They're not transmitting audio. They're not fingerprinting the audio. In the case of Color, get this. According to Scoble, they're listening to five seconds of audio when you shoot a photo to see what the background audio level is. He says, they just want to know if you're in a noisy room or a quiet room. That helps them figure out if another camera is in the same room as you. I'm, okay, I'm just going to read this. I'm not going to editorialize. This listening isn't recording anything, though, just setting a bit in the database, you know, like noisy room or quiet room. Mm. My concern, whether they're sending, you know, first of all, this is what the companies say, and I believe them. I have no reason not to believe them. They're nice fellows. But that's not my concern. My concern is that they are able to turn on the microphone without saying in any at any point uh, to the end user, we turn on the microphone. Whether they're sending it back or not, whether you believe they're sending it back or not, is not material. The fact is that the uh, the way Apple's uh, terms of service work, I guess, are, you know, you do whatever you want. And you don't have to notify. There's Doesn't that bother anybody? No, I, I agree with you. There's a reason why one of the first things I do uh, I did with the new MacBook was to cut out my little dot of gaffers of black gaffer tape and put it over the camera uh, because there, there are times when you're running a go to meeting. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, you're, you're running uh, uh, web chat clients. You run you access uh, certain sites, and for no particular reason, you see that green light turn on, and you don't suspect that anything untoward is happening, but you would have expected some sort of a dialogue box saying, oh, by the way, I really want to turn on the camera right now. Is that okay with you? So, yeah, so, no, so, I, so I, into, I agree. You have a right to be kind of skewed up by that. The Into Now program, does it, so this is it. It, you, it listens to, the, it's kind of like a Madomi or Soundhound. It listens to the show or Shazam and then tells you what you're watching. And then you check in. So this is Eileen's uh, phone. She apparently doesn't mind that it's listening. 
They say it doesn't send anything back to the server. I don't know how it would do that without checking with the server, but let's I'll presume they're not well, lying. It could, well, it could just do a hashtag. Yeah, there's some, some hash that it sends back. It just bugs me that companies... Now, on Android, they do tell you, but you... I mean, it's a long list, and you just go, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, I just... I think it... Uh, yeah, I guess we're trusting that these companies are not sending it back, and if they say they don't, they don't. And we're trusting that Apple vets this stuff and makes sure that it's private. But I sure would... I would just like a little warning when I first install this program. Hey, here's why we turn on the microphone... Here's what we do with what we turn on the microphone. Is that okay with you? I think it's a good idea. So the retraction Even is... Even if you just have a big long thing that says agree yeah. at the beginning. Like, well, that's the problem. But, but that's what they'll do is they'll say... They'll, they'll right, and you'll never see stuff it. And then they'll, yeah. you know. The retraction is that I, I, I guess we implied or we weren't sure that the data was sent back to the server. It struck me uh, uh, that they would need to do that to get the information they wanted. There is data sent back to the server but only that you're in a noise room or not, a noise room in color, and maybe a hash for uh, into now, or into what, or into who. What's it called? Into, into whatever. Um, into now. And then uh, I don't know about the uh, Shopkick, but I guess similar idea for shopping. It just bugs me. I, th I think we'd, I, we should know this, that it's I mean, If it's a function of that application to grab audio, then you, you're going to assume it. But yeah, anything but it's a else, camera application. If you're a camera application and not shooting video, you would not assume that it's... Yeah, I mean, if I use Madomi or Shazam, yeah. I know, and I'm holding it up to the radio saying, what the hell is that song? Well, obviously it's listening. Or actually, you're holding it up to the radio and telling everyone, shh, 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 I'm trying to get this I can't, song here. I can't figure out. Everyone at Starbucks, just be quiet, just for a second. <laughs> so uh, I stand corrected. You know, you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see that uh, if there was a standard interface for these kind of privacy settings in terms of what gets sent out uh, over your 3G connection or over your Wi-Fi connection, and it would just be one like sort of just gadget sort of thing where if you can imagine like a pipeline of the things that the app wants to send out, but it goes into this box and then there's a pipeline out up there uh, to the internet where you can simply check off in system settings. I never want video to go out. I never want audio to go out. I never want GPS to go, GPS information to go out. All this sort of stuff you can just simply check or uncheck so that at a system preferences level, you can simply say under no circumstances do I ever want you to send audio without my, my explicitly saying it's okay for you to do that. You and and uh, perfect that comment. Fair. Uncle Fubar in, uh, in the uh, chat room is little snitch for iOS, which is oh, exactly what you want. Yeah. Of course, Apple wouldn't approve that. No. Um, Apple can make changes. In fact, the in-app purchase uh, issue, yeah. Apple made changes. So in earlier versions of iOS, if you logged in, uh, you probably have this problem with Malachi. You log into uh, one of these programs with in-app purchases, yeah. and you give it your password for 15 minutes. That password, you don't have to re-enter it. So I have to admit that I haven't uh, um, given Malachi any Anything that has in-app purchases because of that, like I, I was, well, that's I was the kind of careful so, early on. I was just like, so oh, if I'm Malachi not do is that. playing like the Smurfs Village game, mm -hmm. and uh, you've logged in within 15 minutes, all he has to do is tap a few times, give me some more Smurf berries or whatever the hell it is, right? And you could spend hundreds. I, I used to watch him. I, I used to complain all the time about on an iPhone if you want to purchase an application. Every single time you have to put your password in, right? And uh, and I complained about that until I saw how quickly my three-year-old son can get to the app store and start clicking on things and trying right. to buy them. And I was like, I'm really glad that they're asking for that password because so he doesn't know it yet. They did, I think, in four three, they modified the way it works so that in-app purchases at least you need a password. That hasn't stopped a class action lawsuit from uh, some parents that say, Hey, uh, you know, I want those Smurf berries back. <laughs> I want my I want my Smurf berries. 
And I don't hope you enjoy Smurf Berries, kids, because that's all you're eating at school lunch program for the next three weeks. Apple apparently changing how apps are ranked in the uh, in the iTunes store. Rumor. Rumor. We don't know. Apple hasn't said anything. All we know is things changed pretty quickly. Yeah, this is from GigaOM. It changed the ranking. You, you, you noticed that? No, that's been what I've been reading. I didn't notice it. Yeah. I, I don't pay enough attention to the rankings. But yeah. it, it does appear that they've, they've changed something. It looks like it's based on some kind of usage rather than, uh, you know, like how, how often people are actually using there the There is app. a flaw in the, in the app reviews. I mean, there, you know... There's, there's been a flaw in the rankings in iTunes trolls, forever. Yeah, in iTunes. You know, and, we and hate what, the podcast system but, and all that, but that's all right. You, well, we, but I, I think that that's the, the issue is, is that it is a... Um, you you kind of want to constantly change this because the reality is if it stays stagnant, it is going to be manipulated. And there are a right. lot of people that have figured out how to manipulate, uh, you know, um, that, that'll game that system. Yeah, so it's beyond just, you know, what you want in, in a best case scenario is people act, you're actually producing a great product and people are buying it or, or downloading it. And because of that, they are, you're ending up high on the ranking. Uh, and that's not oftentimes not the case. Yeah. This is actually according to inside mobile apps, Giga, I'm qu quoting them. Uh, several ad network and paper install executives have noticed a change with app store rankings, apparently taking into account daily and monthly engagement. In other words, not merely that people bought it, but that they used it. Yep. Android's done this for some time. Um, Facebook appears to be one of the winners. <laughs> well, what a surprise. Uh, from the algorithm change, which apparently occurred around April 13th or 14th, jumping to the top of the free iPhone app rankings after being number 13 for a long time. It wouldn't make sense. Everybody uses Facebook every day. I imagine Facebook, Twitter, those are probably ones that but are... But then excuse it the other way, right? Because there's so much engagement with a Facebook app that doesn't. Right. that's just the nature of Facebook. You might not get engaged with Instagram every day or whatever, but... Uh, you might love that app. It might be a great but app. I, I don't think it's one way or the other, too. I think, I think they're probably calculating. They're just using right. it as part of the calculation. Right. Top, but it, it uh, illustrates difficult to... Uh, these rankings are difficult, and that's my problem with rankings in general. What does it mean? Yeah, I think the only, the only really suitable test would be to have the OS just randomly delete apps off of your phone and see which ones you actually notice are missing and yeah. then reinstall. That, that's the that's the photo app I want. The one where every so if it gets removed, <laughs> someone will notice within 36 hours and immediately reinstall it. Oh, it should have like have a checklist of here's what I removed. Did you miss it? And isn't it like throwing away a gift? Isn't like throwing away a gift though? I mean, you're, you're kind of like you know, you look at this and you've, I've got so many apps on my iPhone and and I and I look at it and like I know that if I delete it, I'll never use it again. Like like you know, it's like goodbye little <laughs> app because you're gone. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I, I barely knew you. But yeah. I'm going to have to let you go. The deeply paranoid uh, chat room, by the way, points out, rightly so, that, well, how are they tracking that engagement? Are they watching us? They have already, I mean, in the terms of agreement, they, they, they say that they're going to take non-person, aggregate non-personal information about usage. It's part of when you say, I agree, when you get it, it's in that. It says, basically, we're not going to take... Uh, personal information, but we are going to aggregate information, and we believe that that's non-personal. I guess that's my point in general, is that the cell phone is the most mind-bogglingly efficient way to spy on anybody anytime. It knows where you are. It knows what you're doing. It's got a microphone so it can listen to your calls. It's got a camera so it can see you dancing around in a maid's outfit. It knows... <laughs> did I Maybe just, for you. Did I just say that? <laughs> did I say that out loud? So it, this, I mean, you're carrying around... A little spy device in your pocket all the time, and 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 we—that's why I think companies got to bend over backwards to yeah. uh, protect us because the potential for abuse what, is what, horrible. What concerns me is when you build a system that allows you to gather 
that kind of information. What happens when you get a uh, subpoena from the FBI or the well, or no the, now or Dropbox the has said we will unencrypt and give anything that the government wants to them anytime. Right. So when there's so what happens when Apple has all this capability and they are, they're not using it right now that way. But what happens when they get that subpoena that says we want this guy's phone, we want to hear the audio all the time, see the video all the time because we think he's a terrorist. And and uh, and how does Apple, you know, because they built those capabilities into it. Uh, that's the part that is can be a little bit frightening. Hey, the white iPhone's almost here. <laughs> According to someone in the UK, It's right? been cited in the UK. It's on Verizon's list. Maybe, maybe we'll get a white iPhone. <laughs> I don't. Does anybody even that's, care? Yeah, that's, no. that's my point. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, at some point, Apple should just... I, I, it's, it's interesting to me that they're still pursuing it. That after, after a couple weeks delay, sure. After a couple months delay, sure. At this point, they have to say, you know what? We really thought it would be simpler than right. this. It was much more complicated we'll put than it this. In the next one. We'll, we'll make sure that we'll make the next iPhone 5 double white. Yeah. It will be Martin Mull white. That's, it'll be Lawrence Welk white. That's how white we will make the next iPhone to compensate for a year of non-white iPhones. Phones white people like. Um... There was another, oh, uh, the iPad 2 story. Jesse Jackson, a Democrat, Illinois, says the nation's economic woes are due to the iPad 2. I'm not even going to play the clip. It just sounds crazy, especially since the same Jesse Jackson Jr. a month ago said that every student in America should have a federally funded iPad. But they're putting people out of work and China's benefiting and Steve Jobs is rich. I don't I'm confused. I don't, I, don't, understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. He yeah. says librarians and textbook makers are going to be out of work. Yes, they will. The iPad. <laughs> yes, they will. You're right, Jesse. Welcome to uh, progress. No, I'm not saying that's not progress, but I'm just saying that, that it's like, yeah, so we, we don't have as many horses either. I mean, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't, shouldn't have cars. This, this, is, uh, this, this is 2011 version of the Internet is made of tubes. <laughs> yeah. Get ready. Yeah. The remixes will be here soon. Also, and there's, people, there's, people tend to forget that as uh, it, yes, certain parts of uh, of the industry of industry are going to be put out of business, but it actually creates it will it will also create new jobs for new people. So because VHS I mean, was going to kill the movie industry, right? This is called progress. Yeah. If you were a buggy whip manufacturer, you were pissed off at Henry Ford, but doesn't mean we should stop making cars. If you were a scribe, you're, the printing presses <sighs> those monks. Let me tell you, those monks were pissed. They're like, we're going to go buying some wine instead. Well, you know, what, you know who the Luddites originally were? The, the, they were led by a guy named Ned Ludd in Great Britain who was pissed off at the automatic looms that were taking weavers' jobs away, and they destroyed looms, the original Luddites. This has been going on for a while. Yeah. And Fluffy, I apologize for saying pissed off. <laughs> Apparently that's offensive. <laughs> but you know what? Ned was worse than pissed off. He was peeved. He was irritated. He was angry. He was put out. Put out. His elan was seriously dampened. His <laughs> elan. From now on. Okay, from now on, we're going to substitute. Anytime I say P.O.'d, we're going we're gonna, to uh, edit in Andy saying his elan was seriously dampened. He was, he was unchuffed. Copyright Bob and Ray. Oh, really? <laughs> God bless them. It all comes back to Bob and Ray. God bless him. God bless him. Bob, if, Bob, if you're listening or someone who knows Bob is listening, thank you, Bob Elliott. Chris Elliott is uh, Bob's son. He might be listening. Yeah, there you go. 
Awesome. I mean, I was, I was, I was just, I was, <laughs> when, I, when I was in London, I was trying to explain Bob and Ray to Robert Llewellyn. And, and as always, coming, hitting my head against the same problem you always do, where every Bob and Ray joke and routine looks like nothing right. on paper. It's very simple. It's all the way that they, they deliver it. So you find yourself describing two men climbing stairs endlessly, opening the wrong doors, trying to get to the commissar's office, and somehow that being the funniest four minutes you listen to on the entire drive ride home. You just had to be there, I guess. Exactly. Hey, by the way, uh, we, did, we neglected to plug that uh, appearance on uh, uh, Bobby's show. Oh, yes, Carpool. Andy and Akko, uh, I don't know if it's now the latest. It was the latest last week, Carpool. I think it's now like two episodes old, but it's okay. still available for download at, at reasonable prices, i.e. free. Free yeah. game store. And it was a great show. I love Bobby. It was a whole lot of fun. He's I mean, so if, you, if you can imagine a four-hour conversation that I was kind of sorry to see end, that's what it's like to hang out with, with Robert Wellen for, for, a few, for an afternoon. It was really wonderful. Okay, I'm accepting uh, votes from the chat room now. Do you want to see the Apple Store dance by the little kid? <laughs> Or is that just going to make you upset and angry? In three, <laughs> two, in the app store, doing a dance for you. Uh huh. Yeah, you. <laughs> yep, I will be dancing to Dance With Me by Pitbull and Liz. Here we I just have to admire this 12-year-old's guts. It's not exactly Rebecca Black, but I think he wants to be the next Rebecca Black. And by the way, nobody is looking at him. Apparently this happens so often in Apple stores that... Didn't I, Justine, do this? Look at nobody's not even... They're not even... It's like, yeah, I'm... What? What? Uh-oh. I think there's a certain level of who's wondering how yeah, long he's going to get to go. Yeah. At this point, but, where are the guys? Reason, in when I do it, that's just creeping. They ask me to leave. There ain't no <laughs> where is the genius? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to be back in just a moment. <laughs> Does this get better? <laughs> um, she's back. Somebody's saying in the chat room, can I please have my three minutes back? <laughs> no refunds, no returns. This is Mac Break Weekly. We are going to talk about Audible.com, my friends. The source of, is he still dancing? Yeah. The source of audiobooks that you will love forever. I'm listening to The Dreaming Void right now by Peter F. Hamilton, and I cannot believe how good it is. Andy Anako, I'm sure you've got some wonderful book to recommend for us. Yes, and this was after uh, listening to Tina Fey on NPR the other day. Uh, you've probably heard about our new book, Bossy Pants. Bossy Pants. Which is just, it's, it's exactly the sort of, like, when you have a famous funny person write a book, this is the sort of book you want them to write. Uh, you want them at the top of their career when they're still very, very happy and optimistic and <laughs> surrounded, surrounded by all the blessings in life and able to see all the humor and good cheer in the path that their life has taken them thus far. So it's just a ser it's not really a memoir. It's not even a, not a behind-the-scenes look at, uh, at 30 Rock or any of the shows that she's ever been involved in. It's just a series of really, really, true, really, really funny, true 
true-to-life essays taken from all kinds of components from her life, ranging from Second City, 30 Rock, uh, uh, Saturday Night Live, to like just uh, reacting to people on the internet and then doing uh, and just doing things like photo shoots. Uh, how unreal uh, it is to actually uh, be treated as though you are the prom king, queen, and all the all the ushers uh, put together. Um, be, there's there's so many. Uh, Audible gets just about every celebrity memoir that gets that gets published, gets promoted. But uh, you know you know what I'm talking about here when when I tell you that I, when I describe like these books where this person had a hit movie or like was an A-list actor about 10 or 15 years ago or he or she was on a big hit TV show about 15 years ago and now they really they, they, they're, they haven't worked in about 5 or 10 years and they're all bitter about it and then they suddenly say okay, now's the time I start telling the stories about when I was strung out on heroin yeah. here we go <laughs> I can't wait gonna, to read this they're actually they're going to find out they're going to find out exactly what a bastard Gavin McLeod was on the low set <laughs> He was never kind towards me. I wish she would talk. So she doesn't talk a lot about 30 Rock. That's too bad because it's one of the... He does. He does. She does. There's a chapter two about it. And obviously she has nice things to say about the cast and the writers and stuff like that. But it's not, it's not, it's not like... A, uh, I, guess, I guess the another recommendation that would be comparable would be uh, Born Standing Up by Steve Martin. Love that. The whole point is to have a very, very serious and really right. interesting dissection. Here is a period in my life when I was building my act and took it to the height of stand-up comedy and then why I left it. Yeah. Uh, this is more like she she came up with a couple dozen ideas of things that she could write humorous things about. And damn, they're funny. Uh, she's you, you just just listen to this, and it's read by her. It's read by Tina Fey herself, and of course, she's a perfect match for it. And if you're a fan of Thirty Rock, you can't imagine this is Liz Lemon talking about her life, uh, because there's obviously a lot of. Still a thing. If you're looking for a spiritual allegory in the style of C.S. Lewis, I guess you could piece something together with Lorne Michaels as a symbol for God and my struggles with hair removal as a metaphor for virtue. <laughs> okay, that's enough. <laughs> I can't wait. Tina Fey reads Bossy Pants. Now, here's the reason we're mentioning this. You can get this for free. Nice thing about Audible books, they play everywhere. Of course, I'm playing it on the computer right now. But you could play it on your iPhone, your iPod, your iPad, your Zune, if you've got one, a Kindle, many GPS devices, pretty much anywhere. I'm playing it on my Sonos now. Sonos has just added... Uh, airplay capability which is so fantastic so i can i can airplay it from my phone to my sonos you know i first i first had my long experience with a ford sync and yeah. I, I literally i walked in i, I got I, your email you said wow i was like well no 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 i turned the car on and it started playing my audiobook isn't it awesome like, i didn't even touch anything and it started playing it. audiobook i was like oh i need to i need to get a ford i love and it this is not a ford ad but it works it works really well oh Damn, how did he get back in here? Oh, no, oh, no, he's back. Ah! Uh, it works very well with your Ford, with your... It works very... <laughs> Apparently, he's getting the geniuses involved now. It works very well with your Ford, with your uh, anything you uh, can listen to. Uh... No, when you're driving, it's just, it's it's just, just covers, fantastic. Uh, for covering, um, you know, I have it on my, on my, in my Honda. And when I clean... That's my big one. Audible.com. Cleaning and yard work. That's one audible. <laughs> Slash Mac break. <laughs> this kid's actually not too bad. I like the slow-mo. He's like really putting some effort into this. He's cabbage patching. He's pop looking. <laughs> this is obviously something he's been doing in the mirror for quite some time. I think he practiced. I, I Oh, <laughs> I think he practiced. It's kind of cute. And it kind of... How many views? I just want to know how many views. Oh, let's see. That's actually good. That's really Audible, 208,000. That's nothing. Although, Rebecca Black has now knocked Justin Bieber off the list of most watched videos with 11 
Something like 11 million views. I just, I, no, I'm sorry. One, 11 million. 111 million. I left out a zero. I just, I just want to say that uh, the fact that a 12 year old, however old he is, 12 or 15 year old kid turned on, went in an Apple store and turned on an eyesight and got 200,000 views yeah. should terrify yeah. folks in Hollywood. Yeah, it does. You know? They're trying desperately to figure out why people watch this crap. Wait a minute. We just spent millions of dollars for Game of Thrones and this kid's got more views. What, that, what do we have to do here? Audible.com slash MacBreak. By the way, if you did watch Game of Thrones on HBO, stop and get the freaking book on Audible, all of them. There's like four or five of them. And, and read the book before you watch the movie. So much better. I mean, it's, it's okay. They did a nice job. It's, kind of the, it's good to watch if you've already read the book. Because then it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but really, come it's on. It's not so chaotic. It's I hard. It. Did you watch it? No, it's on stars. First of all, I don't have stars. No, it's not on stars. HBO. Is it on HBO? Yeah, never mind. It debuted uh, this Sunday. I like Sword and Sorcery. First of all, a lot of gratuitous nudity. Oh, that'll, that'll, <laughs> I hate it when that happens, don't you? <laughs> Their clothes just seem to fall off all the time. Yeah. And then, uh, or, I'm well, serious. That, that, that's like a We Are HBO. Yeah, we are, it's kind of their HBO, trademark, is We are it? HBO. We can put. Yeah. We can say bad words and take clothes off like yes. that. Can't do that on broadcast, can you? Uh, I think the book's better. And sexier. But anyway, that's just me. And it is on Audible. Audible.com slash MacBreak. You can sign up for the gold account. You'll get your first book free. It's yours to keep forever. And, uh, boy, there's so many good choices. I think A Game of Thrones would be a good choice, too. Um, you know what we didn't get to? Um, and we probably should mention before we get to our picks of the week. But I don't want to... We, we did talk quite a bit about it on last MacBreak Weekly and on Twit, which, of course... Or did we talk about it on the last MacBreak no, Weekly? MacBreak, it came before the... Yeah, event. Final Cut... 10, Apple gave us a preview uh, at the uh, Final Cut Super Almost 2,000 people. 2,000 people at the NAB show. 1,700 people there watching. Was a huge amount of concern from pros that I talked to that Apple might dumb this down, might do an iMovie with it. They did radically change the user interface, but uh, both you and Larry Jordan seem to agree. And boy, Larry reassured a lot of people. I was talking to some editors who say, if Larry Jordan says it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> uh, agreed that it was actually a really exciting change and the best news for people like me $299 in the app store in June it's a complete rethinking of the process I mean I think that I mean, people have been asking on the what do I think you know on the IRC and they they didn't just rewrite the application they had to rewrite it of course to make it 64-bit to make it make sure that it's ready you know to to incorporate what they wanted to do next uh, and they didn't just rewrite and it, it uses Grand Central Dispatch and you know I mean it really uses Apple's core technologies and Right. And, 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 you know, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's fully integrated with the new operating system. It's fully ready to take full advantage of, of everything you have, whether it's, you know, multiprocessor, GPU, all the RAM, you know, so they, but that required a rewrite. And right. so then when they rewrote it, they also rethought it. And they had already, um, they had already been rethinking the way iMovie worked. And it's clear that it's, it has the same DNA as iMovie, whether it's based on iMovie or not is, is no one knows. Right. But it definitely has the same uh, DNA as far as the interface, which is great if you're already using iMovie. Right now, when you went from iMovie to Final Cut, it was like going to two different, like it was like going from <laughs> England to France. You know, it was like completely different language, completely different look, uh, croissants, you know, anyway, so. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah, so, so, you know. Stainful so, foreigners with a strange accent. Yeah, exactly. So it was, just, it was very hard to integrate. You know, you just wanted to, you know, figure out where to get some, you know, anyway, so. Um, uh, 
so the issue is is that they they've really integrated all of that. Um, so now you, there's a seamless move. The, the interface that you're used to in iMovie is just iMovie on steroids, uh, where the, they're not limited by let's keep it simple. Let's make. And it, but it, but what I will say is that while they're not limited to, we're only going to give you four choices. They did focus very very heavily on workflow. What you didn't see Apple talking about during that event was features. I mean, there were a lot of features that they were pointing out, but what they were really focused on is how do we make this faster? How do we make it easier? How do we make it so that you can get through a lot of data quickly and, and more effectively? And I think that they did a pretty good job. Now, no one's going to know until we actually play with it. We're not going to get to see it. I'm not going to get to play with it until June. Uh, and so, uh, so no one knows what it's, how it's really going to perform. I think it looks very promising. I think for short form, it's it's going to be a home run. I think when you're talking about, I can't wait. I'm yeah. actually very excited, but I'm not your I'm not your typical pro user. Right. You know, I'm. There's a lot of things that they do: locking audio to the to the video, grouping things that could make making complex edits, especially mm -hmm. short form edits, really easy and really mm -hmm. really. I mean, uh, uh, exponentially faster. Now we don't the, know what the other components, like the color per component, the motion. Uh, we don't know. Uh, I, I think a lot of us assume that that, that DVD Studio Pro is probably dead. I mean, Apple doesn't do plastic. I, I don't think that we're going to see that. Um, we saw secondary color correction in the new Final Cut. So you don't need built color. in, which is where it where it belongs. Right. I mean, they took that technology and they put it in tight. I I would be very surprised to see color. I think we're going to see motion because I don't think they didn't show us anything about motion graphics. And motion's inexpensive anyway. I mean, it'd be an easy thing to make it a ninety nine dollar product on the yeah. App Store. That'd be Exciting. sensible. Um, I I'm, I'm so the one thing maybe missing is soundtrack, and I don't you know. How? Yeah, if, if if I was going to guess, I would say soundtrack, motion, and Final Cut would would all survive separate. Uh, soundtrack is probably the least likely. Um, I could see compressor becoming export options out of Final Cut, right? You know, not be a standalone application. It should be standalone though. Don't don't don't. Pe some people use compressor standalone. Oh, I I use compressor standalone. Yeah. Although I have to admit that I I you could make that a fifty dollar part. You could you could and and I. I have to, you know, I think that there's a lot of other standalone options that I usually prefer, but because it, it's shipped with Final Cut, it's usually easier. I mean, I, I do most of my compression in Episode Pro, right. uh, which is a much more expensive but much more specialized uh, tool. But it's, um, so anyway, the, uh, I think it's, it's pretty exciting. I mean, I think when you combine this with, when you look at the new Final Cut and then you look at, at Thunderbolt and these drives, you're talking about having this crazy fast laptop. You know, you could be sitting in the field doing things that are just, it's just really it would be hard to even imagine being able to do 10 yeah, years ago. So, so I think that it's, I think it's really exciting. Of course, a Mac break studio, uh, we are going to go crazy the moment it's released with videos and, you know, coverage and everything else. So, um, we, uh, we're really excited about it. And I do think the hard, the people that are going to have the hardest time with final cut X or 10 is our, the people are going to be hot, the people who do this every day, who know every shortcut, know every piece of every, you know, all of those things. I think they're the ones that are going to have a hard time because they no longer have that advantage. They no longer know what all the quick keys are. They no longer have a workflow that is particular and can get things done really quickly. Um, I think people coming into the, into the market, I think are going to have a people who are like me who understand how to edit, understand the rules of editing, but don't necessarily know every key, keystroke. This is going to be good for us. People using iMovie, this is going to be good for us. People who want a less expensive editor that's very powerful are going to do well. I think the people at that top 1%, top 2%, it's going to be a, a painful transition, and I think some of them will go back to Avid. Yep, but I don't think Apple really cares if it gains. No, I think I think Apple's uh, market share will double. What profiteth a trillion dollar company? It's going to make money to lose yeah. a few Walter Murches.
and gain the world. Well, I don't know if they'll necessarily lose Malta merch. I think that uh, I was told um, that by some folks that were at the infamous meeting, it was like 50 people or 100 people, that there were a lot of big film editors. Uh, the who's who of film editors were there looking at it. And so I don't, you know... Apple's going to listen to them. I'll tell you what happens yeah. is, is the big prize for Apple will be Walter Murch. If right. Walter Murch edits a feature film in the new Final Cut... Uh, game over, man! It, no, it, it really is game over. I mean, it's going to be... It, that, that, he is the, but remember, he's, he's, he's who put Avid on the map. Right. You know, you know he's the one... He, well, he's, he's also the, who put Final Cut on the map. And every editor looks at... Oh, no, he's definitely who put... Yeah. It was Cold Mountain. And, right. and so he is the, uh, the market maker in the editing world. And it'll just be... We should have him on sometime. Love to. Can he's you get him? I mean, he's, in, he's in San Rafael. He is? Yeah. Wow. I, I ran into him in Borders Bookstore. Oh. <laughs> Next time you see him, say, hey, Walt, come on on. Yeah, we'll see if we can... We'd love on. to have you on the show. It'd be great to have a Got conversation. Got a bottle of wine with your name written on it. I'll write it on it right now. I'll but I, I, I was talking a lot. I'm not a, I'm not a video editor, but I was talking to a lot of people who do like that, uh, just huge, intense amounts of work that way. And they've been telling me that they've been actually looking for an excuse to move away from Avid and towards Final Cut. This is something that three different people told me in separate conversations because they do like the, they, they love the, they, they, Avid is the standard that if, when they're trying to hire people to, to cut for, they probably studied uh, on, on the Avid system, but they love the fact that Apple is actually listening to them when they have a problem with a, with a, with a product or with getting a, uh, getting certain uh, certain materials in. Uh, Apple will actually listen and help, whereas Avid is more like, eh, well, I'm sorry, yeah, nothing we can do for you. Um, as a matter of fact, I also heard that one large, huge government uh, government agency is actually now going to be switching from Avid to Final Cut uh, and this is for, and this is in an organization which they're not even allowed for security purposes to use uh, to uh, uh, use macOS systems. But the this this uh, this organization that spends so much time producing and distributing video uh, is just so much has such a preference for uh, for Final Cut that they're just going to make the switch and just do it. Interesting. Well, and, and, and what's really exciting is finally we have three very different approaches to editing. You know, they all kind of looked the same for the last ten years, and so. Premiere, Avid, and Final Cut all were kind of moving towards almost the exact same editing. You know, just who do you happen to like? Uh, Premiere, I think, is the integration with the other tools, Photoshop, After Effects, um, uh, Audition, uh, is going to have some people go, Premiere is the only way to go. People who need scale, I need 10,000 to 50,000 to 100,000 objects. You, you got you to use an Avid for that uh, to date. Uh, and then people who want this, you know, this newfangled thing that is super efficient and less expensive, you know, Final Cut's going to be a great solution. But it's really finally given us a choice. That's the exact opposite of how we started this conversation with people copying the iPhone. <laughs> it's it's people like really looking at three completely different ways and people really having a great, uh, you know, they're all great applications. And that's the, that's the best part. All right. Well, so um, I did want to mention that. There's also a story that uh, we won't go into great detail, but Adobe has uh, in some ways capitulated on the Flash issue by adding HTTP streaming, Apple's HTTP live streaming standard to the Adobe uh, Flash media server. That's good news for us. It's very good news And for others us. who use the uh, Flash media uh, encoder and streaming servers. I presume that our partners, Ustream and uh, Justin.tv, are using Flash servers because that's what they're serving. I don't know so if it'd be nice yet, but to have yeah, that as a, as a, uh, as a feature. Option, yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that. Meanwhile, time for our picks of the week. And uh, Alex, you oh, oh, you oh, dibsed. Oh, you dibsed this last week's night. pick. I was like, I get to talk about <laughs> this one. Um, so uh, this someone. Uh, it's rare that this. one of our hosts will send out an email to everybody <laughs> saying, <laughs> I dibs this. I dibs this. So this is 
it's one of the coolest apps on the iPhone. Right it's now. pretty cool. So so it's called um, Photosynth. Now people have heard of Photosynth before. You can uh, so with Photosynth you can. Um, Typically, what happens is is you could view it. They had a photosynth viewer. Now, this is by Microsoft, by the right. way. Right. So, uh, and this is part of the Microsoft Research Group. They don't they uh, they don't really make products. They just kind of noodle about. Some some of the technologies will end up somewhere at times. And they released um, this several years ago for Windows. So they released a, yeah. And, and but this is a this is a now they had a viewer on the Mac, but what they didn't have is something that would actually take photos. And so what you can I took, actually do, I took this picture this uh, last night of my uh, front yard. And it, you know, there there is another program that'll do this uh, three sixty uh, something three sixty on the Mac, or on the iPhone. But but this does actually, well, I think, a little bit of a better job. A here's slower. the thing. I, what I will say is that I, I would I would love to see image warping, uh, image equalization, and some blending, which it doesn't do very much of. Right. Um, but what I will say though is that the interface, Shoot. you hit tap to start. It's very simple. And then and then you just simply move it, and as soon as the little green dot. Um, goes outside of the area that you've already captured, it just captures another image. Right. You know, and it's just, I just love the, the like, fluid nature of capturing that is just, you know, it's just so... Um, Let's see if I can anyway. get this to work. And here's... So, so I've captured a couple of these, you know, these images here, and you just kind of move it around, and it just keeps on snapping. Yeah, and you can you can show people. That, it makes it it makes it three D. So, have you done a three D of our studio? You want me? To? I just started doing it. Okay. I just, but anyway, well, I, while you were talking, I was doing it on here yeah. too. And so the, the point is, so it's is pretty easy look to at do it, this. As soon as you get outside of that region, as soon as that little uh, green dot goes outside of the region, Snaps it takes it. another photo. Yeah. And you do have to, you know, what you will see is some edging if you're creating parallax by moving the camera around. So you do want to focus on having it but centered it's as much accurate. as possible. But it is, it is fairly accurate. It is, it's just a lot of fun. And it's free. People oftentimes say that I'm not the most frugal uh, recommender on MacBrick. <laughs> um, so every once in a while, I like to throw a free one to average out the system. This is the other program, which is not free, 360 Panorama. And it's kind of okay, but it makes a lot of mistakes. I think this one does much better. This, this one's a much... The yeah. disadvantage is you can only view it on Microsoft's yeah. site, right? Uh, you need to use a Photosynth player to, to view it back. Yeah, that's the, that's the only thing I don't like about it. Uh, it will save the individual snapshots to your photo roll. So if you then want to use auto stitch or something oh, to stitch okay. it together, so even even on that basis, it's a really it's it's the easiest way to simply paint a whole scene to make sure you get full coverage. Then later on, you can stitch it together. I really wish there was some way that I could save this thing locally, where I don't have to publish it and share it with the entire world. Because they're, t I mean, it's 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 one thing when you're in the head of the Statue of Liberty. It's another thing when you're at a party or something, or you're just at some place where you don't want the whole world to see. Here are the here are the 19 people I was with in this room at these. At yeah, this there's event. no easy way to share that. Yeah, yeah, you can't tweet it or, or something like that. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's a free app. It's, it's I love it. It's part of the R and D group, so they're just kind of noodling about. It. They're like, okay, we played with this, and we're going to throw it yeah. up and let you noodle with it. Right. Uh, and then people like me will say, well, we really want this, 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 and this. And, and hopefully lots of people give them that feedback, and then they'll do whatever they do with it. But it's, it do is Do you have a, any photosynths uh, we can show on here that you've um, shot? Yeah, I have. On uh, your site, if I go to I don't have any. On my, I don't have any on my... Oh, um, you have to upload them. My, my problem I is uploading them because they're gigantic. I haven't, I've been doing the other photosynths. So if you go to photosynth, uh, I think, .com, I did... Uh, I have the opposite of this, which is you take pictures of a, of a scene um, from different angles. If you, do a, if you do a search for Christ the Redeemer... Um, you'll see one I actually took from a helicopter. So it's wow. the opposite of this, where we, we took we went around Christ the Redeemer with a with a helicopter in in uh, Rio de Janeiro, and um, I took a couple hundred photos with a 5D, 
and, um, You're and not alone, I, by the way. There seems like there's quite a few people taking pictures one, of this. You'll see so here's Alex. yours. There's mine. And it's here's very yours. synthy. Look, look, if you look at it, I'm very proud of this. Oh, oh. little sad, unhappy oh, puzzle piece. That means silver light has crashed again. As it, oh, oh, silver light, you broke my Macintosh. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> I'll get so, so I'll the, get uh, the updated silver light, but everybody can do this as an exercise at home. There's a you know there's a lot of us that have been playing with uh, Photosynth because uh, it creates this huge dot matrix to connect the, all the images, and as a result, we're trying a lot of us try to strip the dots out to create 3D geometry because it does oh, it, really, it does it really well. It's, it's and, doing a good job. Yeah, and um, I, it's fun. Look, get it. It's free. It's fun, and it, and it really does some cool. It's stuff. so much fun, and yeah. there there it's it's an experimentation. Photosynth is generally this big lab of of, of people being able to capture experiential information and, and collaborate with it, and uh, it's just a, it's just really fun to see what they're what that group is working on. So, Andy Anatko, your pick of the week. I have two related things. Do we have time for two, or should no, I just go to one? Go ahead. Go ahead. When, okay. has it, when has time ever impacted us? Well, when I, when I was in Boulder, uh, someone, was, someone was carrying this case, which I decided is about the best iPad case I've ever seen. I need it. Uh, it's by Osprey. It's called the Veer. Uh, and it is almost exactly the right size for, uh, for, <laughs> your, iP for your iPad. It's somewhere uh, between a fanny pack and a backpack. No, no, it's 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 a it's a regular it's a regular like shoulder pad, a, a shoulder, oh, okay. shoulder strap. Right. You will be, although perhaps we call you, those if, a messenger bag. You you, you might be quoting that line from from uh, from the, from the Hangover saying it's called a satchel. Indiana Jones <laughs> one. Um, but it's, it's, see, it's it's exactly the sort of thing I've been needing for a long, long time. Uh, where I just want to go out to the bagel place with the Wi-Fi, do some work, hang out for a little bit. I don't need to take my whole laptop bag, especially and also especially when I'm at. Uh, like conferences and stuff where obviously I travel with my laptop bag, but I feel like an idiot because I've got this huge like laptop bag with just like, you know, three pounds worth of technology in it. Right. This is small enough that you can actually sort of stuff it inside the magazine pouch of your laptop bag and sneak it on board as, as <laughs> just one carry-on item like all together. Uh, but it's got room for your water bottle. It's got uh, a, pouch for, a pouch for your phone. It's, it's uh, not like form-fitting, so you can easily stuff like your your a jack and other stuff, and it's got a million like little tiny little pockets that are very and are organizers that are very very well thought out. So in terms of I've got four hours inside this inside this new city, I want to take a long long walk around. I've got my camera, I've got my water, I've got the things I'm gonna be walking around with, uh, and I'm not oh, I'm not unduly burdened down. Uh, it's a just exactly what I was looking for, and it's only about fifty bucks. Uh, so That's it's pretty not, cool. Like, I like it's that. Not crazy, so it's not crazy stupid. And it comes in wild salmon, panda, and glacier. I'm definitely going for glacier, twerp paint, and the Black. second thing is is kind of related. Um, it's made by this, this is a uh, I, I've been looking for a long time uh, for a case for the Apple wireless keyboard uh, because I travel with it all the time, whether it's just uh, across the street or uh, or across the country or across the world. Uh, because when it, whenever you want to do serious writing, you're going to need to have a real keyboard with it. And it kind of bothered me that I was just sort of tossing this bare keyboard just in my bag, uh, unprotected. I always feared that I was going to be start shearing off keycaps when I just keep stuffing books and stuff inside my bag. So on the on a basic level, this is a really nice, very simple like folding folio that will just protect your keyboard. Uh, the keyboard connection will hold in with a couple of clips, but it's easy to take it out. But then, now this is why it, this is why I almost wanted to give them the thirty bucks for this, just as a reward for being really, really clever people, uh, because you don't have to take it out. What you can do is you simply take this, fold it back like this, 
put these two tabs together, and what you have is a stable typing stand uh, for your for your uh, for your tablet. Whoa! And, and not only that, but so it's not only that, but it's it's the only thing that I found that uh, that's portable will solve the problem of yes, but how can I t how can I type with my iPad in my lap? Like if I'm at a, if I'm at a keynote presentation or something, it's absolutely stable. It's very very simple, and when you're not using it as a typing easel. It is. It's. It's literally a zero space solution because when you're done with it, you take it apart, and once again, it's just a simple, couldn't be simpler folding oh. folio for your stand. It's only twenty nine bucks. You hear that noise? Uh, That's money just going right out of my my wallet. Yeah. That is awesome. That's yeah, that called is the or, or copy workstation. Yeah, it's, it's so. It's, it's the Do sort you put of thing that in your uh, Osprey? Uh, it will it fit? Of course. Yes, I've got my I've got my Osprey in here. I've got. Oh, yeah, uh, you said. Another iPad yeah. in there. That'll fit in my car. I, you practically have a laptop in there. <laughs> yep, I've, I've, I've pretty much got the entire world covered with just this one little bag. I mean, if uh, I, I've, I've taken a certain amount of pride in seeing how uh, how successful I can be uh, on my little trips without having to take as little taking as little stuff as possible. The crowning achievement was when I had a, uh, I was giving a speaking thing in uh, Philadelphia. And it was, it was just going to be an overnight. And I said, you know what? I'm not even going to take a piece of luggage. I'm just going to take my iPad case with a, you know, cha a, a change of unmentionables and a toothbrush. And that's all I'm going to be traveling with. And now it's going to be, no, I'm not even going to take the big iPad case. I'm going to take this little Osprey beer. I'm going to look as though I'm just running away from I, I, you could You can almost like put it at the end of a pole over your, over your shoulder, pretend you're running away from home. Uh, that's how small it is. $29.95? So, $29.95. I like in-case yeah. stuff, actually. Yeah. Extremely well thought out. Yeah. You, you really, you, anyone, at, I'm sure that there are people at Apple who are like, damn, I wish that I could say that we designed that. That's, it's just such a clever, clever, clever idea. My pick of the uh, week uh, is only 111 gigabytes. <laughs> $50. And if you do not run out and buy it immediately, you will deeply regret it. Of course, I need say no more. I'm talking about Portal 2. Uh, it's now available on Steam, and you know what? It's on the map. Hello, investors. Dave Johnson here. Now, I know you've sunk a lot of money into the dual portal device, but I'm here to tell you we're not banging rocks together over here. We know how to make a quantum space hole. Carolyn? See? Portal here, portal there. <laughs> Look at this thing go. Now, we have run into a reproducible human error problem. A lot of expensive equipment getting broken. But don't worry, Cave took care of it. Gentlemen, I give you the long fall boot. Think of it as a foot-based suit of armor for the portal device. I'm not going to lie to you, it's expensive as hell. But check this out. We told this test subject to just go ahead and try to land on our head. I cannot it. wait. It's downloading right now, or I'd show you the game. So anyway, we're between banks right now. Just make those checks out to cash. Cave Johnson, we're <laughs> done here. <laughs> Portal 2 yeah, on Steam. And I tell you, uh, as soon as Steam came out for the Macintosh, I was so happy because it really gives us parity in many ways. And this is an example where this game came out, Mac, Windows, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, all at the same time, and we were not left out. And let me tell you, if you haven't played Portal 1, play it and then play Portal 2. Have you played Portal 1? I'm, I am uh, just trying to stay in the top 10,000 on Angry Birds. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs>
I woke Forget up this morning. It. I woke up you this morning. And I was up. ranked at eleven thousand, and I was like, <laughs> and then there was like a fifteen Damn minutes. Damn you, nine-year-old children! <laughs> and your luminous free time. I pushed myself back to nine thousand. It's not one hundred ten gigabytes. I'm sorry, it's eleven gigabytes. But it was too much for me to put on my MacBook Air with its sixty-four gigabyte uh, hard drive and nothing free. So. Um, or even actually on my MacBook Pro, which is pretty much down to nothing as well. <laughs> so uh, it'll be running on the big machine a little later tonight. I, I'm just excited when I have 15 gigs on my computer. I feel like it's <laughs> I know, I know. And so when a, when a game is, uh, is, is 11 gigs, you kind of look at it cross-eyed. That's, oh, I don't know if I can put it on there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Alex Lindsay, for uh, joining us. Alex is, of course, the man in charge at the Pixel Core. We are having so much fun next door. You are next door. Are you moved in? We're almost moved in. Alex is going to be in the is in the new studio. We got the green screen. We're painting it right now. I saw it. It looks good. The coat looks good. We've got. You see, we got we got the. Little, I saw the lighting we're gonna, rig. We're going to have uh, what lighting rig, and we have uh, we can do black curtains. So we can do Charlie Rose. Shoot, that's and, nice. Um, and I'm building a set. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like black. You got a green, green screen and white. black curtains. You got all you need. Exactly. I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm simple. I'll learn one simple. of these days. I'll learn. Instant Studio, just add three cans of paint. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I'm going to be speaking in San Rafael uh, May 13th um, on the 3D Advertising Summit. So I'm going to talk about um, 3D compositing on set. If anyone's well, in San Rafael. And it's, it, the, the, I am the most, least interesting person speaking there. Uh, there's guys, uh, uh, I mean, just some of the top guys in stereo production are all speaking at the 3D Advertising Summit. It's in, you can go to kerner.com to find out more about it. Um, but uh, I just, it's funny, there are the guys next to me on the picture on, on when they're announcing it is Grant Anderson. And I just took a class from him and he knows a lot more about it than I do. I felt like, am I really on this panel? So, when um, is that? so anyway, uh, oh no, that's this is it. my event. I'm doing it the next day. TEDx Marin. Wow. In San Rafael. I'll be uh, moderating uh, the next TEDx in uh, Marin. Where is in it? The same area. Where is it? Uh, it's going to be on the communication revolution. The can bar. Where is uh, the can bar center from? Performing the Canbar Center for the Performing Arts. I have no idea, but I better find out before May twelfth. Well, now you have a huge, uh, you have a, a reason to come into uh, San Rafael. San Rafael is a great place, no matter what. I used to live there, uh, but um, now you have the twelfth and the thirteenth. It's gonna be fun. I love. Yeah, I really make it yeah, come, come to San Rafael. Make a week of it. Yeah, John Perry Barlow will be there. I'll be there. I'm also going to. Did you know this? I'm going to France. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> you were just Lately. there. Where? Where in France? I got an invitation in the mail uh, yesterday from President Sarkozy. <laughs> All I gotta say is, well played. Yeah. Well played. It's funny when you get this big envelope that says uh, from the President de la République to, and by the way, I am the fondateur de Twit LLC. I don't know what a fondateur is, but I like it better than Chief Twit. So uh, I'm apparently being invited to the EG8 forum, which is a forum of uh, internet uh, entrepreneurs and uh, CEOs uh, a few days before the G8. Sarkozy, who's hosting the G8 in Deauville uh, a couple of days later, wanted to bring people together to talk about uh, the internet and government and what governments should know about the internet. So and I what French has stopped doing? Are you going to yes. allow to tell them that? Yes. <laughs> I couldn't, you know, I couldn't. It's like, how can you say no to this? Because, you know, they're asking, of course, all the other heavy hitters. But here I am, this little guy. I, I'm thinking of And I want to tell them, protect our freaking internet. <laughs> Freaking internet. So anyway, so uh, I don't know if you can come to that. I don't think you when can. When is it? It's um, May 24th, 25th. In I'll be in Japan. Japan. Oh, I shut up. Some, 
really great free pens there. <laughs> I, I would steal lots of pens. I think I think they believed it when I said I was the president of the internet on my About Me page. And so they invited me. Call the president. Who are we going to have to talk about it? Call the president. Call the president. Do you have enough time to have a sash made? I should get a sash. <laughs> That's great. Andy Anatko is a uh, guy at uh, the Chicago Sun-Times. Man, he writes such great stuff there. And, of course, on his own blog, which is uh, com. Thank you for being here and your little dog, Spot. A friend's dog. A friend's dog. My canine nephews. Spot is so useful when, when Leo asks pressing questions. Yeah, about electronics that yeah. Andy may or may Andy, not have. Andy may not have. That's when we know that. That's why Andy has a dog. I actually did not Distract ask you. The wonder dog. I did not ask you about your review of the uh, BlackBerry Playbook, which you have and I don't. Yes, I, can, I can talk about it now. It's it's uh, uh, it's probably going to be more of a preview than a real review because there's much, there's a lot about this I really really like, and I feel as though given that they've promised a couple of final elements to come in a couple of months, I'm not going to give absolute final judgment. So very soon I'm going to be having my review of this uh, uh, of uh, the uh, the uh, LG, uh, and I'll probably mention the BlackBerry with it. You know, I just I just ordered my next Android phone, which is the uh, G2X LG Optimus 2X from uh, T-Mobile. I'm excited about that. It's got a Tegra. I really see, want. See, one, one, one definite thing. You know, you, you can you can argue about the technology. You can argue about the presence or absence of flash. You got to admit that that Android phones they have very satisfying names. They do. The NG Invictor X2. <laughs> At least they got freaking names. But a lot of those commercials kind of scare me. I know. I'm I'm like, like, those are the Motorola Droid uh, or the uh, Verizon Droid ads. I hate those. I'm like, I think they've gotten off of that. Yeah. Um, good, Andy. Thank you for being here. We'll get the, more of a, of a, flip, a playbook review uh, next, next week because uh, I'm, I'm getting mine supposedly today. I have to say the very fact that you have to have a BlackBerry to get email or have a calendar kind of turns me off. We'll see. Yeah, that's when those things are going to fix in a couple of months. There's fix in a couple of months. Coming. Yeah, I paid for it. for I bought it, and it's coming today, not in a couple of months. So I don't <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Thank you all for being here. Do we any more plugs? Anybody else going anywhere else? On the 24th of May, I'll be, I'll be in Japan. Japan I'm going to be buying three panels at the, New England, at the Boston Comic Con at the end of the month. Oh, cool. When's that, that fun? Boston Comic Con? End of May. Boston, Boston Comic Con. My God, if, you, if you're in New England, they have such a... every like you, you look at the guest list for San Diego Con and you think, gee, I probably can't see all the great guests, but here are the 18 that I would really, really, really like to fly out to see. They got the, those 18 plus four more. They got, the, they got Adam Hughes, they got Frank Cho, they got Frank Quietly, who I'm going to be interviewing on stage. They got Neil Adam, who I'm going to be interviewing on stage. They've got like so... Uh, uh, what, what, what are the dates all, on that? All, all, the, all, the, all the money that I was going to spend like on airfare and hotels, I can now spend on more comics at the show. <laughs> Get to be Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. When is it, Andy? Uh, the last weekend, it's like April 29th, 30th, and there's a 31st in April, the 31st as well. May 1st, maybe. Good. We are going to cover uh, Dragon Con in uh, September, and I guess Comic Con in San Diego. Is that over? No. Yeah, well, that's just July. coming up. That's July. We're going to cover that, yeah. Seagraph. Seagraph. I know. I want to. I, I'm trying to convince Lisa that we spent so much money on this studio. We. I don't know if we can go to Seagraph. That's in um, Vancouver next in uh, July. Yeah. It's in. Uh, I think it's the very last week of July or first week of. I, I really want to do that because I love it's Vancouver. So it's like yeah. it's like uh, even the geekier version than NAB. Yeah, I know. 
I have to go play Portal 2. We'll see you all next time. Get back to work now. Break time is over.